Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Doesn't look good. Does not look good. Yeah, spoilers on the name today, man. Does um, not look good. You know, it, it was bound to happen. We we talked about it last time. It was bound to happen. That uh, always, they're missing. They're missing Uh-oh. on the sound. Uh-oh. It's, gonna, it's easily going to be their worst one. Absolutely, I, definitely. I mean, that's. I, I don't think that's a huge statement. I think for them to put out, in my opinion, I will get this out of the way. They put out four singles so far. Two have been duds. Two have been fucking duds. Dudder than duds. I think we would agree on which two of those are the duds. So, I mean, that's half of their that's half of their releases for this album. And the other two previous albums, in all, have two duds max, maximum. Not Agreed. three. None of them have three duds. Not even close. So. What uh, what do you think is the dud? What do you think is the dud? So obviously we, we talked about last time we were talking about Always, which get right into this today. Always uh, a band that we both like. Uh, I I especially really like this band. And uh, their past two albums I thought both great, uh, both highlights of the last decade. Uh, if you're open to any kind of pop music, especially if you're you know more into like indie pop stuff, if you haven't listened to those, then I don't know where the fuck you were from 2014 to 2017. Like you must have been just like dead or something, uh, which, you know, maybe if you haven't listened to it yet, great chance to listen to it now. You're in for a treat. Uh, but their new album, Blue Rev, coming out in a couple of weeks, a uh, little less than a month, I guess, like three weeks. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's mid-October. Yeah, uh, they've released three singles for it now but four songs because this third single is an a side and a b side honestly it's like two weeks sorry it's october 7th so okay yeah two weeks yeah really close um first single like we talked about pharmacist i still think that's a great song Uh, i was really hyped when that was the lead single uh next single easy on your own we both agreed was just we both agreed it was a dud it was very mediocre. Uh, it was basically a snail mail tear song. And uh, new single, uh, A-side, Belinda Says, B-side, very online guy. Again, Belinda Says, just kind of a snail mail song. Like, it's it's a it's a decent snail mail song, which is better than most snail mail songs. But it's, it's, not, it's not up to par. It's not up to what they put out for, you know, everything before this, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's just another just generic, like, sad girl indie kind of song, which I'm not I'm not opposed to the concept. I've ranted about it before. I'm not opposed to the concept, but the execution is not here. It's definitely not here. And all of the fucking sycophant fans are going to eat it up. And it, it's a fucking embarrassment. I, I'm beyond disappointed with this fan base right now. Um, that being said, <laughs> there's very no online like- guy. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good song. It was just kind of this refreshing kind of new wave vibe that they don't get on too often. Uh, on the last album, the only slightly similar thing I think they did to it was uh, Hey, which was one of my favorite songs off the last album. So very online. It also, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just like the YouTube version I was listening to. Like the quality sounded kind of like shit. 
yeah. <laughs> not lie. Like, it's, like, as opposed to the more hi-fi vibe they're going for with this album, this one, like the vocals were a lot tinnier. Uh, it seemed like there were more effects going on that uh, just didn't, weren't like super clean. Uh, I was happy with it, but you know, it still kind of sounded like shit and it sounded like it would be uh, an outlier. Like it would not fit into the album if, if the production ends up sounding like that on the album. But um, yeah, Belinda says very just mediocre song. This is, uh, you can tell I'm upset, man. You can tell I'm so upset with how I just got into this and how I'm just not letting it go. But like, this is just some fucking snail mail tier bullshit, man. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't. <laughs> I will take say me off the mailing list. The mailing list. Do you want to get off the mailing list? The, take, take the notification off. list of concerts and shit going on sale. Merch, new merch list dropping. You, oh, you want me to buy merch for Belinda says? Are you kidding me? I've got to say, I actually had a different approach. Oh, I really? think okay. both of these songs are half duds. I think both of these songs are absolutely half duds. And that's why I said that this is a dud put together. Because I personally think that Belinda says the instrumentals and everything except the pace and the vocal style, I think the instrumentals are fairly good. And I don't like this I don't like the very online guy. Like there's a there's a vocal style to to what Molly's putting out here. Like the the tone and the pitch. And I don't like the I don't like the background stuff. I don't like the effects. I think I I think it's I think it's gimmicky. I think it's really really gimmicky to call it very online guy and and have it sound you know very uh, retro futuristicy with with a lot of like computer sounding noise. I think it's very silly. But I like the style and the pace of how the song goes. I love the tempo, and I wow. wish they just flipped. I wish they just completely flipped the the instrumentals in the tempo because then you could have one really good song out of this and you would have one absolutely mega dud and honestly i'd be fine with that versus what we got so wait you're saying which one did you like the tempo on i liked the tempo on very online guy okay all right yeah because that, that was again that's one of my bigger problems with what i'm talking about when i say belinda says it's just kind of like a, a good snail mail songs it's just this very like slightly below mid-tempo thing where we all know that molly rankin does not have the greatest vocal range that's that's just a fact no. that's not like a, a criticism at all i think a lot of times it works in her favor but it's why i don't think she can pull off like those like slightly below mid-tempo slow emotional songs like that like no you're supposed to just hit me with some stuff that kind of sounds like maybe you are half asleep or maybe you're just kind of like slightly talking into the mic, like, or maybe you're like uh, anxious about singing or something like that. Just some, some kind of like softer, uh, more, uh, more, more personality imbued kind of vocals. I think she does great with those because, you know, she's working, I think, especially on the self-titled she's working with an awareness that she does not have a great vocal range and you know when you're working to your limitations you can make something great out of that but i think something that is similar between uh belinda says and easy on your own her vocal style there is very self-assured 
but you can't be that self-assured when you don't have range. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. just, it doesn't work. It's it's the slower songs that she's just kind of leaning into her own her own voice. I will say for Belinda says, I like the pitch of her voice a lot, but I don't like the carry and I don't like the tempo. It's too slow. It's too lackadaisical. But the the pace for what you what you uh, brought up, hey, that's a good pace song. That's 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 where she shines a lot, in my opinion. And I think that the pace for Very Online Guy is quite similarly, and I agree with what you said on Hey. And I just don't like the pitch for Very Online Guy at all. And I think the effects that go with it, it just, uh, I, I just didn't like it. See, you know what it is? You know what it is? What is it? They finally broke the pattern of where all the singles, you know, are like in order of the track list oh, on the yeah. album. They finally broke it where uh, they had Pharmacist and Easy on Your Own. And we were talking about like After the Earthquake was probably going to be the next single. But no, they just jumped like fucking to track 11 with Belinda Says oh. and then seven with Very Online Guy. They, you know, they weren't, they weren't sticking to what worked. So are you uh, are you on the page on the RYM page for Blue Riv? Yes, right now I am, yeah. Do you have the track? 14 people who have already rated it. Get the fuck out of here. Do you have the track listings for these songs? Yeah. So Very Online Guy is last. And Easy what? on Your Own. You don't have the... No, I said the track listings, like the like the scores. Oh, oh, I don't have... I don't see the scores. Yeah. Guess what? I'm a pay peg. I do. You bitch. I want to change my username because I got two people in my comment box that were hating on me and I have absolutely no idea why. So now I'm going schizo mode and I'm changing my wait. username again. Are they still there? Wait, wait. Let me yeah. See. I, again, that, one of them was said something that was very confusing. Guy just said, MFR said shimp. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I have no idea. See, that's the problem with this. I have no idea what they're referencing. Like, did I put a comment? You know, maybe I put a comment in like an album that like was really popular and I just don't remember. Like, I literally have no clue. <laughs> what is this guy? Dude, why didn't you delete your account? What? <laughs> What is, what did he mean by this? Yeah. Some 141-year-old guy from the UK? What? Yeah, some guy with some guy with like a 2-year-old account, not even. So I'm just like I just fucking messaged him like put on this thing. I'm like, "Why are you commenting on my thing? Like, why? Just why? Tell me why." So I uh I just finished that. Oh. So I see the track list or the scores. Very online guy has a 4.3. Belinda says and easy on your own both have a 4.5 and pharmacist has a 4.4. You know what? Ah shit. I was going to I was going to send you something earlier because when I was looking up the uh, the new always song uh, on YouTube there was like the first link under that was like uh, some guy doing a doing a cover of uh, like a guitar cover of one of the songs. And I was like, you know, this is this, these are the people giving fucking uh, easy on your own uh, five stars. It's it's people like this. Uh, I'm sending it to you right now. There was one comment in the uh, comment box that said, 
This is going to be album of the year, calling it now, from Lanky Caravan. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. Oh, Jesus uh... Christ. (laughs) Really? Yo, look at that lamp, though. My fucking, my dad has that lamp. My grandparents have that lamp. I kind of like the lamp. It's uh, it's a little small. I feel like that that lampshade needs to be like a little bit bigger. But uh, yeah, that's that's your average, uh, easy on your own five star rating person. Not to make fun of that guy. Like I'm, I'm sure he's like a decent guy or whatever. I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to shit on him or anything. But um, the the imagined personality of somebody who looks like that but is not a decent person that that's your average easy on your own five-star user yeah i gotta agree it's a it's really it's really a festival song like it's just a the long carrying riffs and the I, i there's just nothing spectacular about it there's nothing spectacular about that song there's nothing spectacular. I don't think there's anything spectacular about either of the two songs that they put out. I just think that each of them are half a good song. So I, you know, I think that one, you know, there's one dud on there. I think if I, if I had to, you know, rate them otherwise, like I would say that, like, I would probably say that very online guy is slightly better, but I think it's just a better put together song versus Belinda Says, where it's... I, I, I think Belinda Says is a lot closer to Easy On Your Own, like, in terms of overall quality, and just, like, being that carrying... Um, being that carrying song, where, you know, the vocals carry, the guitars carry, it's like you're listening to it, and it's like a 95-degree day, and you're outside drunk, and you're like, this is a good song. And that's, like, the only time that you would think that it's a good song. <laughs> Man, this might be the. This is gonna be the always album that you like more than me. What 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 has happened? What what? Where where's the world going, man? I I think that you, I think it's because your expectations are are um like deservedly higher. So you deservedly you know you deservedly fell in love with it with album one, and uh, deservedly I I was on the train where album one was like just kind of all right for a while but i'm like no the more i go back to it it is actually really good and then album two uh i was i was all on board with you were all on board with you were like this shit's song of the fucking out decade get the fuck out of the way everyone else and i'm like <laughs> yeah this shit's dope and now this third one i'm like this could this could be kind of this could be kind of average like on a base not just for always but but for a, just like a baseline of music, I'm like, this could just be all right at, at best. Yeah. I mean, even now, I feel like uh, when I was starting with the new account, I was trying to be like a lot more critical of stuff just because I guess part of it is just like because I was just rating a lot of stuff that I already knew I really liked. I was being a little harsher on some things than maybe I should have been because that's just where the curve was at the time. But I definitely want to go back to, you know, albums one and two and give them some fresh spins nowadays and see see how I feel about it. Cause off the top of my head, I'd probably bump Antisocialites back up to a 4.5. Uh, and I, I feel terrible about uh, 
not having the clout anymore that I had on the old account of giving that like a five star in like the first month or something like that. Like I was definitely on that shit before most people. So to fuck all you random RYMers who stumbled upon that album and bolded it after I had already told you it was great. Uh, you guys are shit and I'm always right. But <laughs> yeah, uh, Damn this right. new one, I'm, I'm not super hyped about dude. Like I'm just, I'm st- obviously I'm still going to listen to it and I'm still going to give it like 80,000 listens, but I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. there's just worry. Playing. There's worry, worry yeah. this time. There's a, there's a seal worry here. This comes out and then, uh, I think a week and a half for like maybe, you know, something like 12 days. And you're just like, yeah, have, have had two good songs out of, uh, out of four released. That's, it's a lot less than anyone prior. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they had like put out a uh, a bad single before this album. But here we are. It had to happen. It had to happen eventually. No one can do it for so long, you know. Even Sonic Youth came along and dropped some shit like uh, fucking New York City Ghosts and Flowers. Fucking, I, I don't like Dirty. People like Dirty. That one's bolded. You guys are shit. That's shit taste. <laughs> shit taste so uh what do you think is are they going to release another one or do you think they're done 12 days to go with this album and uh i feel like i feel like if they release a a single with an a side and a b side i feel like that's an indicator that they're done releasing singles yeah i i think you're right i don't think we're gonna get any other tastes before because otherwise you know why not just save that second song for another single or maybe they're just not very confident and very online guys. So they're like, ah, we're just going to put this out as a B-side and see how people feel about it. So when you say an A-side and B-side, this is going to be, this is going to sound really stupid because it is, but the original musical uh, function for an A-side and B-side was a two-sided vinyl disc, right? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Maybe it would. Maybe it wasn't such a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that? What do you think the over under is for like how many people are going to purchase the original vinyl like as an A side and B side? Would you Would you purchase a vinyl for that single? Yes or no? Um, I would not. But looking at it right now, actually, I'm you know just looking at the track list on this release right now. It is all four singles. Uh, so I. I don't even know what they're doing with the fucking formatting here. Like Belinda says is track one, very online guys track two, easy on your own is track three pharmacist is track four. Okay. I, I don't know yeah. what this is meant to accomplish. So they released pharmacist as a, as a, you know, whatever streamable. And then they released easy on your own. And it also had pharmacist on there and it says downloadable streaming. Oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> and then uh, loss, and then like lossless digital, so whatever, it's all in line. This one, I mean, it's the same format, but then it has everything from prior. Like it has all four songs that are on there. They're really just trying to sell pharmacist three times. Wow. Are you kidding me? No, wait a minute. I've got the I've got the scores. Okay, so you have to guess the scores. I've got the so I had the scores for Blue Rev, which just had four out of the fifteen or whatever songs on it. Now I've got the scores for for this single, which has four songs on it. There are three. <laughs> so basically, 
there are three songs that have a 4.3 or a 4.4, and then there's one that has a 3.9. That song is very online, guy. What do you the think people about just aren't that? liking that one? Well, people are not liking that song at all. I think it's because it's different. It really just is different. I think so too. I think it's just, and you know, these fuckers they have they have the worst taste in this band because even going back to anti-socialites, uh, what are the the two songs with the lowest, the two singles with the lowest rating there are the best two. It's fucking Plimsoll Punks with a three point seven eight and Lollipop with a three point seven five, and the other three are all you know close to 4.0 basically which is like are we listening to the same band i don't know man i gotta say i'm kind of surprised that um the first single not my baby i think it's the first single it's chronologically um that only had like 360 ratings or is in undertow i feel like in undertow came out and people loved it because of that final bridge like wow, people finally people listen to a modern bridge for the first time. And they're like, wow, this is so fucking great! <laughs> like, mind's blown by that. And uh, I don't know. I think I would say Plin Soul Punks is better than Dreams Tonight. I don't know why there's a point two five differential on that. It's it's that's rather silly, especially when you factor in that the number of ratings is twice as much for the one that's higher. You'd think typically it's the other way around. With the yeah, so way that their stupid algorithm works. This is actually a, getting to the point that I was going to make about um, why I feel like I'm not feeling the singles from the new album as much as I have a lot of their earlier stuff. And it also fits into why uh, Plimsoll Punks and Lollipop are. Uh, and I guess even to that extent, even, you know, Not My Baby is the next lowest one, even though it's closer to the highest two. Uh, why those three songs are considered the lesser singles um those are the ones that jangle man they they have abandoned the jangle on like all these new singles yeah i would agree with that completely i would i would very much agree with that i i um so i think that and i'm just going to use this as an example but there is a very clear stylistic difference for animal collective from Feels to Meriwether Post Pavilion. I think that a similar stylistic, I call it a devolution. I'm not going to call it an evolution because I disagree with the, that it's progress, but I'm going to say that it's a devolution from the self-titled EP1 to, to this because I think it's scattered. I think that there are a lot of themes going around. I don't really even necessarily think that I would call this an album in the fact that an album is supposed to sound cohesive and it's supposed to be a singular work. Whereas, I mean, if you told me that the four singles were recorded like three to five years apart, I would be like, yeah, probably. Because there's, there's just not a stylistic like continuity in any of these. Always EP1 was very, very much had a core, had a very strong core, had a lo-fi jangle with a very cute Molly Rankin voice. And <laughs> Blue Riff so far does not have that. It does not no, have it doesn't it. have either of those things. Yeah, no. So I'm uh I'm sharing I'm sharing your hesitancy with the with this new album. I'm kinda worried. I'm kind of seeing I'm hoping that some of these songs that are better 
I mean, like you said, normally we would have the first, you know, singles get released in order of the album, but I feel like this was a very deliberate release because it's the first time they didn't do that. You know, it goes one, two, and then seven and eleven together. So I'm not hearing anything on seven and eleven that is that sounds like it was warranted to be released in that manner. Yeah, neither am I. So I guess, uh, you know, we've been talking about this for about 25 minutes now. Uh, so I'm going to say let's let's give final uh, predictive scores on what we think we're going to end up giving this album. And then, yeah, this is the last time we talk about it until it comes out. That's a good idea. We can't talk about it until it comes out after this. I yeah. think that this is going to be... So we got 14 songs, 39 minutes. I think that I'm going to give this a very um I'm going to say it's going to be a 3.5. I'm going to hope and pray that there is going that there are going to be a, at least a threshold number of songs that make me really like this album because I think Pharmacist is pretty good. And I think that they're doing some good stuff here and there, but I just haven't seen it come all together yet. And I don't want to be a pessimist because I've been proven wrong. I honestly thought that anti-socialites was going to be in the same tier, like as like a three or three point five. And I think I was proven wrong on that. I think uh, I think that that just did a lot better. So, I mean, like a two point five and a three. So, How I. Like I, I honestly did. I thought I thought it sounded too clean. That I thought that it sounded like the okay. production value had gone up from LP one, and I'm like, damn, yeah, they're going public now. I mean, they're going. They're this is their break. This is their breakout album in the tier of like the music publications. Like, yeah, they're discovered yeah. now. But I don't know. I think that this could. This is one that's gonna be. Uh, I'm hoping that's not. I'm hoping that it's a three point five. I think that's somewhat realistic, and I think that uh, I think that there's going to be at least four songs on here, and I and that's such a low bar for this band from what I've, from what has been released. Maybe like five or six that I just really really like, and I think Pharmacist would be one of them. After like honestly, like Pharmacist belongs in the in the tiers of of the previously released albums of songs that were really really good. I would definitely put it. So I'd say they're at one so far. They've got 10 songs left. So if they just hit even, you know, 50-50, I think this would be a 3.5 with, with you know, the rest of the song sounding pretty decent, but not great, great, you know? So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I just basically just echo what you were saying right there is that I just need them to hit on like, like you're saying pharmacist is up there with some of their best stuff from the last couple albums. Like I, I wouldn't even been surprised if that was just like a leftover from anti-socialites. Like it just sounds like it would have fit in there pretty well. Uh, if they can hit on like four or five of the other songs here, just like, you know, really hit on it. Like really make me remember why I love this band so much in the first place. If they get that much, then yeah, it'll probably be about a 3.5, but I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, man. I'm nervous that it's just going to be a three. I'm very nervous that it's going to get in that forgotten pile of threes where it's like, oh yeah, this was kind of decent, huh? 
all right, well, whatever. You know, like I'm, I'm just, I haven't been into really, you know, I haven't been really into any of the other songs since Pharmacist, which is like, if that's, you know, two minutes out of your 39 minutes and that's all that I've liked so far out of, you know, like the 10 minutes that I've heard, it's not looking good, man. It's not looking good. So probably a 3.5. It could be a four. If, if, the, if it just turns out that the rest of the album is just like, oh, they were just saving all the good shit. Could be a four, but you know, not, that's not likely. So probably a 3.5, maybe a three. I'm hoping you got to pick one song. What's, what's going to be the biggest, what's going to be the fucking song of the autumn? Cause it can't be song of the summer. Summer's over. Yeah. What's going to be song of the autumn. Can't be pharmacist. We already know what pharmacist sounds like. No, song of the autumn is going to be velveteen, dude. I, I, for some reason I'm feeling strong about that title. Velveteen. Where is it? Track eight. Oh, Jesus! Right in the middle. Um, that or pressed. Pressed. Pressed is going to be really good. Two minutes and ten seconds. That's their lane, dude. That they got that. That's their hay. That's what you're thinking. That's, that's their that's hay. You're right. But it's so early. I'm going to say, I want um, tile by tile is going to be a sad song. I already know that. I'm not going to pick that. Pomeranian spinster is a very linguistically unique song title. I think I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Pomeranian Spinster. I th- I'm. I, I don't know what I've said be before. Bad. I don't know what I've said about it before. I might have said something about it before. Whatever. I take it back. This one's gonna be the fucking song of the autumn. This one's gonna sound really good. And it's. I know it's three. It's like nearly their longest song. Um, <laughs> but it's gonna. It's gonna sound really good. It's gonna have a bridge on it, and people are gonna be like, "Wow, it's so fucking good." <laughs> well, I'm picking that. Yeah. I would also say I think uh, Many Mirrors is going to be just like a, a bad, slow, sad song. Yeah. That's my prediction I, there. There's so many titles that sound like they're going to be these slow songs. And like, Molly, don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's already recorded, but don't. <laughs> don't. Re-record it. <laughs> yeah, fix it in 12 days, please. fairly early i have to i have to ask again what was it so the album that i listened to this week is by a band called the comet is coming okay uh, that's is... what i that's what i thought because it sounded it, it, the way that you listed it sounded like it was like a like a one-off of the album of the week but but what do we what do we got here what do we got here so this is um I was disappointed. I'll just start with that. What the uh, heck? I, I only gave it one listen and I didn't even want to give it another one. It wasn't bad, but it was like, you know, some of the stuff that the comedy is coming has done there. They do a kind of a new jazz thing where there's a lot of electronic instrumentation and um, 
there's a little bit of a jazzy vibe to it and shibaka hutchins is playing like sax or like bass clarinet on some shit it's like oh, all right fine um the last album trust in the life force of the deep mystery came out in 2019 and i thought there were some really good moments on that uh that i just was not expecting um i guess i don't want to harp too much on that album but um maybe it was just because the middle of that one was you know fairly strong the the early to the middle like i can still i'm looking at the track list now there's nine tracks on it and i think track like two to five on that is like pretty good and, and honestly carries the rest of it so maybe i just had a lot of that stuff in my head and i was hoping for more of that or something but i don't think they delivered here i think uh hyperdimensional expansion beam which came out on september 23rd this year it, it to me what i was hearing was like imagine like you're uh you have some good friends who who make some like amateur kind of retro sounding beats and you're shabaka you're like a, a a you know really talented saxophone player and stuff and you know these are your friends and they're cool dudes and stuff yeah. and they're, they're talking to you about like their new project that they've been working on and you know they're sounding so hyped about it and then they're like hey bro so like you you play saxophone right Hey man, do you want to like get on some tracks here? Like it would it would be really cool if you did that. And they're like your boy, so you're not gonna say no. <laughs> but it's also like you don't really know how you're supposed to fit into it. So you kind of you, you do your thing, but like it's it's you know just very uninspired. It's like you're just trying to play something on top of this stuff that they've already written and they they kind of wrote it without you in mind, really. And you're just trying to fit in there, but it just it it doesn't it doesn't hit most of the time it really just does not hit um there's one song in here that actually caught my attention when i was listening to it it's called tokyo nights and it's a 49 second long interlude and i'm like this this is the highlight of the album to me (laughs) Um, somebody left a comment in the box that was just too true so i gave it that little two and he just said why does tokyo nights fade out it was cooking (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, exactly. It's fucking 49 second long interlude that's hype as fuck. And then they go on a fade out with it. Like, so disappointing, bro. So disappointing. <laughs> uh, a lot of this was just such like generic instrumental electronic stuff that sounds like somebody. It doesn't even sound like somebody would have made it in like the 80s or the 90s. It sounds like somebody thought somebody would have made it in the 80s or 90s, but it's just worse than that. And I, I just could not get into it. I'm going to give it another listen just before I, you know, shit on it too heavy, but like just not interesting stuff. And some of these, like there's a 43 minute album and I feel like I'm hearing the same five sounds. Like, come on, man. Come on. So I love, I love that you say, uh, come on, it was cooking. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I know that feeling. I've had it for like a number. It's for like, there's been a solid like five to 10 songs where I'm listening, I'm like, okay, this is good. This is awesome. This is sounding good. And then it starts fading out. I'm like, what? No! No! <laughs> well, because it's like, that's the one song where it sounded like Shabaka really got to play on that one. And maybe it was just meant to be an interlude or something. But one, fade outs. Look, okay, when I'm editing, I use some fade outs because I'm fading songs in and out from conversation and stuff. So it's fine. But fade outs like on an actual album usually it's like okay you just didn't know how to end this so you just took the lazy way out 
and I can't get on board with it. And um, I'm, you know, it seems like RYM on this, they're kind of, they're kind of feeling similar to how I'm feeling about it. Where that last album, it's got right now, it's got about 7,500 ratings. It's bolded. It's a 3.63. So you'd think this new one was going to get like a lot of attention uh, in its first few days of release, but it's got 380 ratings with like a 3.57. So people just are not, people are not looking forward to it. People are not feeling it. If I had to put a number on it right now, it's just a really easy 2.5 to me. Like I just don't give a shit about it, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a few more chances just because I like, you know, some of, some of what these guys have done in the past, but would I recommend it to just anybody uh, who is either interested in electronic music or like jazz music? No, just skip it. It's not worth your time. I think that that's a, I think that's a fair assessment for the score that you give it. You're just like, this is, this is a, not like a filler album for the for the genre, maybe it is, but it's just not something you'd recommend. Just like this shit ain't good, and of and of course the one part it was cooking. I can't <laughs> I, I can't forgive that. If I ever for the few times that I hear that, I'm just like I can't forgive this album. They don't know what they're doing. This shit was cooking, and they just faded out. I'm like nope, you don't even know how you're supposed to, you know edit like mix these songs you fucked up and i'm done with you goodbye yeah that's what i say yeah that's that's about all there is to it the comet is coming the comet is gone dude i've uh listened to an album picked it today selected it like seven hours ago i decided today in my myriad of working a lot like on a on a certain project i was gonna listen to some post-rock so I found it. I found an album on a band, a Polish band, band from Poland, and uh, it was a post-rock, experimental rock, jam band. Which, oh, okay, <laughs> worry, worry, time kicks in, and then noise rock. I'm like, all right, this might be good, and uh, listen to it. And it's about like 39, 38 minutes or so. No, thirty-five. All the songs are in Polish. Can't say it. So it's alphabet soup. I don't know how to read it. I don't know any of this shit. And uh, I listened, like, this thing's got, like, uh, you know, it said it had three ratings when I uh, when I clicked it, but it actually has five because the, the list or the charts take, like, days or maybe they update by week or something. So I listened to it. It's got five ratings, but I listened to it. Shit's, like, basically demo here like these are just like demos of like them jamming around and stuff and there's a common theme for for anything that's made um by poland or in poland and then it's called jank jank is something that is very satisfying in the core elements but stylistically it does not have any artistic direction it's very commonly like said as to be an eastern european quality where it's they have like a general direction of what they want to do, but stylistically, it's 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 like basically having a meal that's just a bunch of meat and nothing else. No potatoes, no vegetables, no no anything else, no you know, no whatever drink. It's just like a bunch of a bunch of pork or a bunch of meat. And that's and that's basically what I got. This thing is a you know, I will say 
you like symbols, this is the album for you. <laughs> this album's got a lot of symbols. This album has a silly amount of symbols in it. So, like, if you love if you love hearing a good a, a, a drumstick whacking a cymbal and a ride cymbal, you're you're gonna like this album a lot because there's a lot of it going on, especially in the first five songs. There are, I swear, there is a symbol on every quarter. On every sixteenth, even like there's, there's just symbols like in every single thing. So much so that like there's a guitar like lead. By the way, this album has no vocals, so they're basically just missing a vocalist in this album. <laughs> it's literally like demo tier, um, not put together in any meaningful way. This is a very odd album to listen to. But I'm kind of glad I listened to it because it gives me an appreciation for everything that is put together in any capacity. Um, I can't sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried. It wouldn't happen. But yeah, this is. Uh, I, I rated it. Rated it a two. Two out of five. Oh, so it was like actually just bad. No, this is this is like just bad. <laughs> there's no direction at all in any of these songs. I mean, there's like a there's like a general direction for like maybe half the songs, but this isn't even really an album. This is a collection of demos, and you know the the ride guitar is okay, and the drums. Oh my god. Hit the cymbals some more. <laughs> but, I mean, aside from that, like, there's, you know, like, when there's, you know, wailing on a guitar, there's, you know, think of a bad wailing on a guitar. Mm -hmm. Most of this album is bad wailing on a guitar. Like, the, the, the scream or the screech from the guitar is, is not, not good to the ears. This is not a, this is not a good noise, you know. I, I was I was gonna say earlier, man, this album is like a lot of harsh noise. But there's a lot of good harsh noise out there, and this ain't it. This just <laughs> is not part of the album. So I'm gonna say this right now, Poland, you gotta do better than this. You gotta you gotta do a lot better than this, Poland. I, I want to respect you as a country. You gotta put out more. You gotta put out better music than this. This is not your best. I hope it's not your worst, but. You gotta put out more than this. I'm not. A, I was not a fan. Two out of five. No comments. No reviews. Just a lot of people that are listening to esoteric music that are trying to convince themselves that it's good, so that they get themselves brownie points because they're like, "Yeah, I listen to this. No one else did. <laughs> it's good music." And uh, <laughs> no, they're fucking wrong. And this shit's a demo at best. So, yeah, two out of five. Maybe some of these people that listen to it are Polish. I think one of them is. Oh, yeah. The guy who gave it a four is Ugandan. Yeah, but come on, seriously, he's not. Really <laughs> the guy that gave it the guy the earliest review, who I'm sure is probably like a friend of the band in some capacity, gave him a three, and his profile is that he's 139 years old and he's Polish, and all of his stuff is in Polish. Like all of his uh, his rating lists are in Polish. Even yeah. this uh, this Ugandan person. Uh, they're writing in Polish, so they're probably just like a, a native or ethnic Pole living in Uganda. 
but it's just a, it's just a silly me. I mean, I could list my I could list my profile as in is in like Australia if I wanted to. It's not doesn't mean I'm living okay. in Australia. Yeah, it's just why would somebody do that though? But whatever, I'm not concerned about fake Ugandans right now. Um, I had two quick thoughts on this. Um, first thought was it kind of like the way you talk about it, like these are just kind of like demos and stuff. They, they probably actually are just demos then, but it's one thing that I found is kind of like lacking in this site is that they don't separate demos. Like there's no section, like you'll have sections for like albums and EPs and mixtapes, but there's no section for demos, which would help a lot of people avoid a lot of like garbage shit. Um, but they just, they don't make that distinction. And I wish they would, like, it, it would be really helpful. Um, other thought, like when you sent this to me, I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, so secondary jam band, but all these songs are like two to four minutes or something or two to six minutes. Like how do you, how do you jam in, in two and a half minutes? Like how do you do a jam band in four minutes and 13 seconds? Like jam band supposed to be, you're doing like 26 minute long shit just cause you can, but I don't know, maybe like. Was there a lot of segues between the tracks? Like, was this at least maybe they just kind of, you know, bang this whole thing out in 35 minutes and we're like, all right, that's good. Uh, we'll figure out the track listing later. I, I really don't know. I don't know what their goal with this is. <laughs> I, I would have loved to know. It's just but, that uh, indistinct. <laughs> it's, it seems very random. I don't think there was a, I do not think that there was any particular goal with the, uh, with the album and I, I mean, I can't interpret it. It just is all over the place. And I, I really think, I mean, this is their first album too. I think this is like a beginner band, like a get together. And they just tried to put out some music. All of this, all the people that rated their album, aside from that Ugandan guy, like whatever, maybe it's real. Um, they're all from Poland too. So I don't know. I think this is a, I, I don't know. I don't have any other words for the self. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, I guess neither of us are happy this week. This is the first week in a while where just neither of us have really felt the album that we picked. No, I, I was I was mostly just looking for some post rock. I kind of did the whole uh, search by genre again, and yeah, it's like this is kind of post rock ish, but I wouldn't say post rock is like the primary genre tag for it. If, if I listened to it and I'd be like, okay, what genre is this? I would just say like, I would just say like experimental rock or, you know, which is something that, which is honestly just a tag that people put on rock that is really all over the place or just bad, but they can't really call it no wave. So they'd be like, yeah, it's experimental, wink. <laughs> <laughs> so I would call it experimental rock and I would just, you know, hope for the best.
I'm not really, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm displeased this week or I'm not unhappy. Um, just the album I picked was kind of, kind of like whatever. I, I didn't, of course, I don't really follow singles news. Then I listened to the, to the Always song and I'm like, you know, there's some good stuff here. I'm not really displeased with that either. But uh, there was one, there's one thing that I'm, that I'm very pleased with. And it was uh, it's a movie. It's a movie by a, by a guy, by the master filtrator of the entire world. You, you literally, like, that was, that was my entire thought. Like while I was watching it and after I watched it was exactly what you just said right there. <laughs> I want to say before we even get into the anything that's in the movie, you watch the movie. I watched the movie. I did. So think of so this was I want to believe that this was supposed to get released in quarter one or quarter two of 2020. And we both know that Mr. Charlie Kaufman is a man that has a very high bar for what he is going to put out there. He is a he is a very prototypical art school, film school man that has stuck <laughs> to all of what he was taught at, at his film school as hard as most any other film, you know, film directors or screenplay guys or producers or anything under that. This, you know, then it was quarter two of 2020 and they're like, all right, Movies ain't happening. This has got to go on streaming. So I honestly believe, and this is how I picture it. Charlie Kaufman is pissed. Charlie Kaufman is very upset because this movie that Mr. Charlie made is the third film, and it is his first in five years. The last one being Anomalisa, which I am going to watch very soon. I think that Mr. Charlie was very upset, and he threw his hands up in the air. And he said, you know what? Put it on Netflix. I don't care anymore. Put it on Netflix. <laughs> and he knew. He knew exactly what he was doing. Because Netflix, this was there at the time. This was a movie that Netflix was putting on. Because Netflix is struggling for content. They're like, holy shit, guys. Look at this new movie. Look, 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 at, look at what movie we got. We got a Charlie Kaufman movie. You guys are going to love it. And Charlie Kaufman knew exactly what was going to happen. I think Charlie Kaufman knew that this movie was going to be re- like um, was going to be received very poorly by the audience that it was being geared towards. Maybe the film, maybe the maybe the film, you know, or studio was like, okay, we're just going to try and get as much money, and it's Netflix. But I want to believe in my fairy tale world that Charlie Kaufman is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, send it to Netflix, wink, wink, <laughs> like with a shit eating <laughs> grin on his face. It's like they'll love it. And he did the and 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 a and a filtration larger than any filtration ever in history had occurred. <laughs> so this movie is called "I'm Thinking of Ending Things," and it was released in. I mean, it was put on Netflix, and I want to say it was September of 2020. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, September 4th. So it is about two and a half, yeah, years old. You know, shit. Two years and whatever month old, and uh, this is a movie. This is a, this is indeed a movie. And I, I will be honest. I watched this movie in one of the poorest settings possible. <laughs> I, had a, I had a family member in for the weekend who is 
absolutely not into any like critically number one, you know, high critically acclaimed movies. Could they were for this one. No, it did not. <laughs> they were caught in the filter very hard, and I don't blame them. I know that they're not that they're not really into uh into that style of movie. I personally thought that there is a certain scene very, very late in the movie. And it is, it is, um, they actually never say her name. I found, I, I, I went to the credits for this, uh, for this movie on the, the casting page and they, and it just says young woman for, uh, for Jesse mm-hmm. Buckley. So I'm just going to say Jesse, but the scene, uh, where Jesse is talking to the janitor, the janitor being in the school saying that, uh, some guy was being a creep to her and that, you know, she can't even get a drink out, you know, alone without some guy creeping on her. For me, everything from that point on, I was, I was actually kind of disappointed with, I thought the ending was going to be far, far different. That was very, very clearly the climax in the movie was, uh, was the young woman, Jesse talking to the janitor directly, you know, person to person. And I mean, there is so much going on in this movie. I want to first know what did you think about it. I had brought it up at some point in the late mid to late week, and I said I watched it. I got Kaufman. Everyone got Kaufman. Kaufman is <laughs> Kaufman beamed everyone in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think you're totally right there. Um, I'm gonna say I don't know exactly what point in the movie it really hit me but there was you know at at somewhere probably after like the first 20 or 30 minutes i want to say it based you know if i'm just going off memory um as soon as um the the dinner with uh jake and the girl and jake's parents as soon as that happened uh, i was just like okay this is this is like a textbook pleb filter like this oh, yeah. is meant to like you know you show it to anybody who like strongly dislikes this movie just on um on like a pure aesthetic like uh feeling that's a pleb there are reasons you can dislike this movie i'm not you know for any any piece of art there's going to be like good reasons you can like or dislike it but anybody who just like gets turned off by the vibe or the style of it that's a pleb that's somebody whose opinion does not matter. And it made complete sense when I'm like, all right, these fucking Netflix watching, you know, average normal people, the fucking normos, they went into this movie saying, oh, it's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And it's, you know, got this like cute girl on the on the poster. And it, the, the synopsis says it's about a breakup. Oh, I could probably get into this. And she looks like, you know, kind of hipster and kind of oh, quirky. Yeah. I could oh, get yeah. into this. They got fucking slapped. They got fucking choke slammed over and Calvin. over again. Calvin was just like, "Hey, okay, I'm gonna give you that movie for about like twenty, maybe twenty five minutes. After that, you fucking you bitch. You started watching this. You don't know what you got yourself in for. <laughs> and you're my bitch now. <laughs> I really liked this. I might have loved it. I'm not sure yet. I thought it was a great movie though." I was very happy with it. I'm not sure I agree with 
your opinion on what the climax of it was but i do think that that scene was really powerful uh jesse buckley that's her name yeah is that it she gave a fucking fantastic performance in this movie dude i was so impressed at so many different points uh off the top of my head um there's there's points uh while they're driving where she basically i mean i'm sure there's a lot of stuff happening and like editing and whatnot and you know they didn't shoot these scenes like back to back or anything like that like there's cuts and stuff but how convincing it is when she basically just like completely switches personality a couple of times on the drive or just her speech patterns and the the ideas she's talking about she can she's like so great at making me feel like it just it seems genuine every time like she has so much range going through all that i i completely agree with that i thought that she absolutely killed it i mean i was not only i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it right now she's pretty cute pretty cute actress oh, yeah. right there oh, yeah, definitely. and yeah, uh yeah, definitely. i thought that like as an actress quality when she was giving the the one i'm not sure if it was the uh the david foster wallace essay or it was a a certain soliloquy of a speech but she had given it in the car when they were driving back dude that was like 10 out of 10 arts film school like every film school student would be creaming their pants like watching that <laughs> it was so like it was the so like full of despair and the it was like the long aside and it was so well done and i will say what did you think about what do you think about our girl from uh, from the boys being in the movie? What do you think about that? I thought that was pretty cool. I when I saw her, I was like, you know, like, oh shit, that's her. Um, but I was a little confused until I got to uh a little bit later in the movie. Because I think she I, I don't know if I even noticed her every time she popped up, because in my mind I can only remember her being there twice. But did I miss a lot there? I well, the, I would say I would agree with you that she was in the film twice. The first time she was on the monitor that the janitor was watching on the right. uh, on the television. The second time was when she popped into the car during a yeah. conversation. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't recall any other times that she was in it. But okay. So when did you did you think that you figured out what the movie was generally about? So I will say. Um, after I watched it, when, you know, you, you watched this with, like, a family member or whatever. I actually, like, just watched it last night because I didn't get to it the day before. And I was just, like, kind of tired and I was laying in bed. And it's like, well, I can't really get to sleep right now. And I said I would watch this movie and I'm not going to have time to do it tomorrow. So, fuck it, I'm going to watch this movie. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, those are the two times that I noticed her. And the first time, it it almost felt like a little too like, you know, a lot of people in the reviews were like shouting out David Lynch, like, Oh, this is so Lynchy and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's true. Not just because it's surrealist or anything, but just because it seems like that whole idea of um, the person watching something on TV and that ending up becoming a part of their life, or, you know, at least the way they perceive their life. Um, that, that was definitely a pretty Lynchian thing, but when she did pop up in the car, I was like, okay, I, I need to take a step back because I'm clearly not understanding what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, so I did look up, you know, this is a movie based on a book. And 
I, I read some other people's reviews and I read the plot of the book. I mean, I didn't read the book. The readings for fucking nerds. But I read the plot of the book. And my idea of what was going on once I like kind of got to the end, I think it's is the generally agreed upon thing. Uh, but there's still some kind of ambiguities and things that I don't really get about it. And that's just kind of the nature of a movie like this. I feel like of a, of a film like this, dare I say a Kino like this is that there's going to be things that are just not going to make sense. Like they could go so many different directions and it's, it's one thing if there's a film where those, those things that could go in all these different directions, if there's, you know, just a lot of those directions wouldn't make sense, but this is one of those films where all of those directions could make sense, you know, like, there's so many different ways to go with it. And um, I guess if I'm getting to the meat here and what I thought the movie was and what I think a lot of other people agreed the, the story is here is that, you know, this is stuff that's happening in Jake's head. Like this drive did not actually happen. This girl is not real. The girlfriend, that's why she doesn't have a name is because she's not actually real. That's why she gets mixed up with other characters who come out of TV because it's not real. It's some idea that he has It's this fictionalized version that he thinks he would like. And that's part of why I like so much, like the direction that it went in is because this guy, Jake is so sad and just so fucking depressed that even oh, yeah. this fictionalized version of like this perfect girl, who's a, a physicist and a poet and an artist and all this, you know, great and a shit biologist and some like a brain yeah. biologist. Yeah. And she's like studying aging and shit like that. Like even with all of that, it still goes wrong. Like it still does not work out for him. Even when he like, even though he got this girl, it just, you know, she's thinking about ending things the entire time. Like it's, it's, it's a fucking sad movie, man. It's a really sad movie. So I perceived it in a, uh, in a very similar way. I think we're both kind of on the majority side, very similar. I think the, I think on the very baseline as a, as a genre, surrealism has a very distinct trait which is that things appear off. They just appear a little bit off from reality in a certain way. And I think the biggest catch of that was the dinner and perhaps even the drive to the dinner. The one thing that, the, that I never pieced together in the very end was the swing set. The swing set. Oh, okay. The swing set uh, was a very, very early piece of, of imagery or some sort of symbol that I never picked up on. I never, I could never figure out what it exactly meant. But the swing set was, it had appeared in a couple different places. It was appeared on the farm and it appeared on the drive at one point. But there is a very clear, like a metaphor for age or a, or a long allegory for aging. Uh, it appeared for sure in the, in the dinner where um, the parents were swapping ages all the time. They had swapped from a younger adult to a middle adult when they were at dinner to an older adult, you know, when things were kind of going awry. And I think that was kind of like a transitional point in his mind. But I agree that everything is happening in his mind. The The main character, per se, is the janitor. And I actually picked up that the janitor was Jake very early. Kind of mm -hmm. once I realized that age was a... Um, 
was a big theme in this was that was when I picked up that Jake was the janitor. And then that was later um, confirmed by when, um, when Jesse had gone into the washing machine Mm -hmm. and there were a bunch of uniforms for the janitor that he was wearing. Um, And also the janitor had picked off um, like the names that were popping up on her phone uh, for like her friends that were calling her. Those were actors in, the film that he was watching on the little monitor i want to oh, say it was that. i want to say it was oklahoma the the musical because that was obviously a very big thing also oklahoma was the license plate state for when they had panned off uh, they had filmed from the back of the car at one point you could see the license plate was oklahoma i didn't notice that either that's a good catch i from watching synecdoche i've i've learned kaufman you've watched literally everything every single thing has a purpose and I appreciate that he packs in so unbelievably much into the film. I will say this film was really slow. <laughs> this film felt like it was three hours long, but it was really, you know, like two and a quarter or something. Well, but. just as a quick thought, like I, I when I started watching this movie, I thought I had figured it out in like the first like 15 minutes or something. I'm like, Oh, okay. So this entire movie is just going to be about their drive and it's just going to be awkward based on that. But <laughs> that I like, clearly was not it. I was happy that that wasn't it. Cause that would have been too easy. But I think that's part of what made it feel so long is just these, you know, these long drives with slow, awkward conversations. Um, it, it stretched it out. Definitely. The one thing that uh, I I will say that I had a very terrible early so I mean I you know in trying to figure it out with, with very little details you you try to make like uh, guesses and you're like okay this is this and this is the when the the mom had said to Jake Jake your fiftieth birthday or something like that I'm like okay this family's vampires simply <laughs> simply but this family is a bunch of vampires because like they were very off the mom was very much off the mom was casted very very well. I think that she is an actress that can be in a lot of horror movies. Um, she has the she has the look of being in like a lot of horror movie, like new newer age horror movies. You know, being like a somewhat like really thin woman with the really thin hair, thin longer hair. That I honestly just looked at her. I'm like, okay, she's cast incredibly well for whatever role she's playing. I'm gonna say vampires because I just <laughs> just figured out you know, like. She's playing a role. I don't know. The dad doesn't appear to be very, uh, um, you know, important. But, like, I thought, um, I, I definitely pictured it together fairly early that Jake was the janitor and that um, that Jesse was not real. That Jesse was a, an amalgamation of, of a fictionalized person because of the photos. The photos is what is what sealed it for me, you know, where she was going in the basement. She had saw, seen the paintings and they were not necessarily even a unique or original paintings. They were like redos or like uh, sketches of, I mean, I think Starry Night was one of them. I could be wrong on that. But most of them were fairly like landscape photos. But they were the same photos that had been on her phone. So Jake had obviously pictured her as, I mean, an artist is just one thing. And of course, you know, we go back to the, to the stories of her job, but then even the circumstances of when they met, that changed multiple times. You feel, yeah. you realize in reality that the real story, what really happened is that they were at a bar trivia night and he may have come on to her in some way and she thought, oh, you're really creepy and I don't like you. And that 
was really that. But Jake wanted to well, believe, you know, Jake told himself that they met and that she was a perfect girl and that, you know, they were at trivia night and that they hit it off there, but it just didn't happen. So I had a slightly different take on that where I think the, the point is the same, but for me, what like the, the major theme of this movie was, was basically, you know, somebody getting ready to commit suicide and thinking about things that had happened in their life and you know the the stories about meeting Jesse or or him trying to think about what what would have happened if he had done things differently and that's why at first he you know the stories are slightly different but still about oh he was like this kind of awkward guy but he was funny and he was smart and he you know, she talked to him first, but he finally got up the nerve to like ask for her number and all that kind of stuff. And it all worked out. And it was this great thing because maybe that's just, you know, he was thinking maybe if I would have just talked to her, maybe if I would have said something that one night, that cute girl from the trivia at the bar, you know, we could have had this happy life together. But later on when she's talking to the janitor or whatever, which, you know, is him. So when, his fictional girlfriend is talking to him and she's talking about, well, oh, he was just a creeper. And I just said yes, because it was easier to say yes. And then I just kept saying yes, because that was the easier thing. That's him talking about like, the only reason, you know, she would have said yes, even was just to, to get him to leave her alone. And the only reason it had ever been successful in the first place was because she didn't actually want him. She was just scared, you know, so he he sees himself as this like very pathetic, very creepy, very lonely person. As the movie goes on, like he, he starts to, you know, he's thinking about, okay, you know, what would have happened if I had asked her out then? Well, it would have all been terrible anyway, because that's just me. I kind of can see that too. One thing that I specifically, I think I half understood was when they go to, and I'm going to butcher the name, but it's the ice cream shop. It's like Timmy Tunsil's or something. It's I can't. Yeah, some, some bullshit, man. I don't know. It's the, <laughs> the very, very retro 50s style ice cream right, store. I know what you're talking about. That has the two blonde girls that are very idealistically cute. And there's one girl that is very off. She looks as though she's very uh, worn down. And that she warns... This is kind of what I was really having trouble interpreting. This girl was warning the main uh, was warning Jesse that you don't have to go into the future and that the back room of that ice cream store the smell was not varnish. I really am having trouble interpreting what that meant. I would like to know what it meant. I would really like to know what it meant because I couldn't, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, so this, I don't, first of all, we have to identify who this girl at the ice cream store is. Is it a previous, like, acquaintance of, of, um, Jeff? No, Jake, Jake. Is it a previous acquaintance of Jake in some capacity? Is it, and then, and then who she talk? who is she talking to? She's talking to Jake's, like, subconscious or she's talking to, like, Jake's idealized figure and is this figure now sentient is this figure like independent yeah. what's what is she so, saying by all of this what did she mean by this um so that i'm i'm 
pretty convinced that like that event at least actually did happen uh, because it, you know, it, it's something that makes a little bit more sense later on in the film where, um, you know, he's having this, con- Jake is having this conversation with Jesse about how, you know, they haven't even really eaten their like ice cream dessert thing. Uh, but it's because she's not actually there, obviously. Like, he goes out and buys two ice creams or whatever, you know, one for him and one for his fake girlfriend, but she's not actually there. Yeah. And so he realizes that, and, you know, he's depressed. He doesn't even really eat his. He just wants to pretend that he's buying one for somebody else, too. Yeah. Um, that girl, the she had the, the one that looked off. She had, like, scars on her arm. Yeah. I remember that. I don't know what that was about either. Um the the smell thing i was wondering if that maybe had some connection to him being a janitor other than that i i didn't really get that either and those two like um those two blonde girls i know they popped up later in like the fake musical thing which yeah i I honestly didn't really get that part either (laughs) but um i don't know if maybe like very early on in the movie, the janitor, before it gets revealed that that's actually Jake, uh, the janitor is working in the school, obviously. And that's the only point, I think, where you see the janitor working during school hours. And he kind of stops to take a look at like the actors, I guess, which are like high school students, I would yeah. imagine. And they notice him looking and they kind of like, you know, give him a side eye back and he just keeps walking. I maybe those blonde girls were there but i i didn't you know that was so early on i wasn't even trying to pay attention to things yeah i think um would i i'm not sure if those two uh at the ice cream stand are the same as the high school but that might make a little bit more sense that may like uh provide a little continuity on the uh, entire movie you know the same people's faces get brought up later on in a different capacity, you know, think he's thinking of them, you know, maybe a janitor at some point caught a side eye of them. But, um, yeah, I thought, I thought a lot of it was, and, and, and I can see why this has led to being such a divisive, um, movie in the end is because I think that the general theme of this is that you cannot live with the regret of not having done something, of course, it's it's a really complex way to complex movie to just say yo carpe diem, bro. But <laughs> but I think that's generally where bro, lot, no regrets. <laughs> yeah, literally, just just do a lot of uh, just you cannot live with the regrets. You have to live every day. But I think a lot of people have seen this as a negative. Where a lot of people have seen this, where some I think a little bit less have seen this as a positive. Where this where they would take it in the motivational vein to not end up like the janitor, you know, and to see that he had made, uh, either made these mistakes or, or had, uh, lived such a, a boring life, you know, had lived to be, uh, to be nothing in the end where he had no career aspects, no, uh, companionship, no anything. Whereas honestly, personally, I believe that maybe what, ha- what Jesse had said to me, my, my general biggest takeaway was that when Jesse was talking to the janitor, it was a fictitious place that Jesse, the girl, the real girl, 
you know, from that instance, however many years ago, was talking to the janitor as a retrospect, you know, as a, you know, like those 40 years ago, I would have said, no, girls just want to have their night out and whatnot and not be looked at in some, in some female capacity, you know, and not like a female capacity of like a take me home thing. Like the girl is just expressing her honest thoughts of, you know, I just want to have, I just want to have my girls night out and not be looked at, and not be itemized and all that. And I think they kind of, not that they reached a, a retrospective understanding, they reached an understanding of, of what the reality of that situation was. And that was, I think, the, I think that was Jake accepting it. Jake accepting after all those years that it just wasn't working out. It wasn't what he thought it could have been. Like all of his fantasies were, were just that. Like they were fantasies and they would have never been anything else, even if he did ask her out. And I think that was him having a hard time accepting it. And I think in the in the end, you know, he was just after all that time, after all these years, all those uh, times imagining that exact going to the ice cream. So I think, honestly, the, the picture of all of the ice cream shakes in the trash can or all the instances that he had thought about it, you know, it was constantly mm-hmm. on his mind, you know, however, 50, 100 times you know, however many cans were in that trash can. All that time right, so, he spent fantasizing was was wasted. And he realized it. At the, at the end, he's like, I'm just thinking of ending things. So I actually kind of took that, uh, that part of it a little bit more literally, um, where I thought that, like, all those different, like, ice cream drinks or whatever in the trash can – those were all times where he had gone out with the intention to kill himself, but didn't do it. And I thought this last time was just the time where he actually did it. And, you know, seeing all of it in there is just like, it could be a metaphor of like, Oh, you know, kind of like what you're talking about. Like he's just done this so many times and he's deciding this is the last time he's going to do it. Whether it's like, you know, fantasizing about, what could have been or thinking about his regrets for all that kind of stuff. But I was just like, no, he, he has gone out here to kill himself several times. And this is just the time where he's like, well, the trash can's already full. I have no more room. I can't delay this anymore. This is it. I kind of see that too. That, that could be a pretty decent explanation. He's like, I'm just kind of, I've done it too many times. I'm, I'm over it. But I think he does. That's, that's the end. As I think that the, um, the dance scene into the, the speech, the the speech as Jake is some really gaudy, you know, everyone's wearing the really fake studio theater makeup. I think that's his, that's his ending speech. That's his award ceremony. That's him, you know, in an idealized way. That's him thanking everyone who had been in his life, who had given him, you know, whatever meaning and in a, in an ideal way, like this is what it could have been, not necessarily what it was, but this is, I mean, I think that's him giving his closing speech. That's I'm on my way out, and I appreciate, you know, everyone that I had thought of all this time. And then after that, it's the cut to the uh, cut to the car. The it's the cut to the car and killing himself in the car. Yeah, and he did like so. My my whole, I think the obvious interpretation of him, like in the car in the blizzard 
where it's getting really cold and he starts taking his clothes off and stuff that that's hypothermia right like he's he's dying from hypothermia yeah yeah probably okay. yeah and he's like imagining himself getting out walking in the school with the pig with the cartoonized mm-hmm. pig who had maggots mm-hmm. with that that definitely happened at some point that was like a real thing that happened in his life you know lived on a farm and he had a pig that died of maggots and it probably scarred him so much that's why he remembered it so so often and uh, yeah so that that's what he thought of in the very end he's like okay i'm with the pig now that was also one of the funniest parts of the movie is uh after he had uh gotten through the whole thing about you know the speech about all the pig and the maggots and all this kind of stuff and they go back in the dinner and they're serving ham <laughs> it's yeah. like this is some funny <laughs> shit man but he's even when he's depressing the fuck out of you he's got a sense of humor about it i completely i i laughed i laughed pretty hard at that i was like oh boy this is really silly <laughs> but uh yeah i i thought I, I thought that where it got really goofy you know that plus the plus the musical scene at the end. I'm like, oh man, Kaufman's really just throwing it all out there now, throwing everything on the whiteboard. Yeah, the musical. I st- I still didn't. I I don't get that. I'll be a hundred percent honest. Like I, there's um, you know, like the, his his section of the stage is kind of a mirror of his childhood room. Um, where there's like all the books and stuff and it's a small bed and all this kind of stuff. And I think that's supposed to be his mom sitting in the rocking chair across the other side of the stage. But I don't know what any of that meant. Uh, did you have a take on that at all? Wait, uh, say that again with the mom in the rocking chair? I, I think it was a rocking chair. Maybe it was just like some, you know, other kind of like lounge chair or something. Um, but there's an old lady with kind of curled up gray hair uh, sitting in the couch or sitting on on the stage opposite from Jake while he's giving his speech and singing his song and stuff. And I figured that was his I, mother. Yeah. But why is she there? I think she was meaningful enough to be there in the end. You know, he, he had missed his mom, you know, he thought of her in the rocking chair. I'm sure as she was a, uh, in old age and he wanted her to be there. I don't, I mean, that wasn't a real scene. That was a, you know, an idealized imaginary scene where, He's accepting, you know, some award or giving some performance. I think it was of Oklahoma. I want to say it was a that like speech or that song was was a song or a, a single song in Oklahoma, and he was imagining himself giving that, um, giving that like musical scene after he had, you know, as a janitor had watched it. And he was like imagining himself on, you know, not on Broadway, but on like some musical area. And he wanted all of his, you know, he wanted all of his friends and family there. That's my right. Opinion. So, uh, the only other people that I recognized in that scene, uh, Jesse's out in the crowd. Obviously, uh, she's a little bit older and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The the two blonde girls, they were in the crowd too. Um, I couldn't tell if they were older they were wearing some kind of makeup i think um i know i saw one person in that crowd who was wearing like the the clown makeup from that ice cream place um like the the mascot like her makeup i i don't know if i saw anybody else like was was his dad there like was not even sure his dad was there i don't think uh, like what's the significance of his mom being there i think it's just a I think it's just a general son you know wants to you know have his mom there at, i think it's just a son to mother 
like companionship thing. I don't think it's, you know, there's anything to it that just his mom was there. And, you know, if you really want to go crazy, you could say it's a Freudian, you know, it's some Freudian bullshit where he's wants his mom to be there and impress her and stuff like that. But I don't really, uh, I don't really buy into that. I think it's just a companionship that, you know, he idolized his mom a lot. I think it's, I think it's generally like a psychological thing where men that do not have, um, that think that they're, they're failures. They, they, they cling on to their mother a lot. And I think that may be a small part of it, but I'm really grasping at straws on that. Uh, that makes enough sense. And it's also an interesting, it's interesting to look at it that way because uh, Jake and Jesse definitely like they have a conversation at a point about how all that sort of like Oedipus, like Freudian stuff is just like bullshit and everything gets blamed on the mom anyway. So I guess looking at it that way, it's interesting to see that his mom is the only one on stage with him at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I think that's a fairly, I mean, that's a pretty good re- explanation. I don't know if we have a definitive answer to that. We don't have a lot of definitive answers to most of this stuff, but <laughs> um, do you have any final thoughts? What was, uh, what was the score that you would drop this perhaps? So last last little interesting thing um, that I thought about this one is that Kaufman actually like hinted about uh, the the idea of the movie from the casting, which I don't know if you noticed that both the male and the female lead, their names are both Jesse. I can kind of see that. I, I see that That's... their names are, but I don't I don't know what the significance of that is. Well, because you know the the picture that. Uh, girl jesse the picture that she sees in the house jake says it's a picture of him jesse says oh that looks like me all the paintings that jesse was saying she did are actually paintings that jake did like that's that's like the this this very clever foreshadowing through the casting that i don't know if i've ever seen that before so i like that a lot yeah no that's a really Um, good i could see that now so final thoughts, I think this is this is classic Kaufman, man. Like this is some some whacked out shit that at points is uncomfortable, but never in like a like a cheap cringe way. It's always uncomfortable in like a like kind of eerie way. Uh, obviously, like tons of symbolism, tons of meaning. Uh, he's, he's throwing a bunch of shit at you. It's, it's a movie that is one of my favorite kinds of movies where. After it ended, I was kind of like, I don't know if I liked that. And then I spent the next two hours thinking about it, like trying to figure out what was actually going on there. And every time some new thought popped through my head, I'm like, okay, I like that a little bit more now until finally I'm like, I I really love that movie. So I'm putting a score on it. It's close to a 4.5 for me, but probably a four. It's really creative stuff. And I'm, I'm really happy I watched it. Yeah, I gave it. I gave it the same score. I gave it a four just now. I've. I'm saying that the next movies I'm watching are Anomalisa and Adaptation, and then I'm going to go through his uh, stuff where he was a screenwriter. A lot of people have been dropping the similarities to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind in uh, a lot of the reviews in the comment box, specifically uh. for the opening scene of Jesse the girl doing the uh, doing the like licking of the snow. Like when she's outside, apparently that's like the opening, the same opening scene for Eternal Sunshine. Um, but I think that's just a Kaufman, you know, 
jacking off his old his own stuff. <laughs> that could that could even be stuff that's like so deep in his subconscious that he doesn't even know he's like ripping himself off with that. <laughs> yeah, really. You have to cite your own movies, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm giving it a four too. Everyone got absolutely fucking filtered, and I'm glad for it. I'm glad it's... that he dropped that shit on the most, you know. You know the the most streamlined streaming service, and that everyone watched it because they didn't have anything else to watch. Get fucked, everyone yeah. else. Yeah, they they were clearly like the audience. What, what's the discrepancy there? I think I think the the critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes is like eighty two, and the audience was fifty or something like that. Something like that. And yeah. it's just the audience was not ready for that. They didn't know what they were getting into. Uh, he he tried to show them away. He he tried to like rope them into some Kino, but they just they weren't ready for it. They didn't get it. They'll maybe they'll be you know maybe they'll get it in like ten years when they're intellectually mature or something. Because to be fair, you have to have a very high IQ to understand Charlie Kaufman. This but unironically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he's dropping references to David Foster Wallace, Guy Debord, Oklahoma, like everyone, like you've just lost ninety nine percent of the viewers. You have instantly is- done that. It's it's fucking wild because he fucking criticizes me in this movie and I still love it. Like he's when he's talking about David Foster Wallace, he's like, yeah, most people haven't read him, but everybody knows he killed himself because that's what the story is. And I'm like, shit, that's all I know about David Foster Wallace. So yeah. <laughs> I've never fucking wrote, uh, read, read a page that he's written, but I know he killed himself. So you got me there, buddy. I thought he killed it. I'm glad he made this movie and I hope he makes another movie. In the next two years, because it seems like he's doing one every seven to five years, and I'm I'm hoping for an announcement at some point that he's making something yeah, else. More. Yeah, I'm hoping more. for more. Could also see him taking time off, but we'll see. I'm giving it a four. That's my final thoughts. I'm gonna take yeah. a taking a pause before we get into the next scenes, if that's okay, or the next yeah. uh, the next topics. All right, I got gotcha. you. Entertain the entertain the audience. I'll be right back. Oh shit! See, you know, I I've never been prepared for this kind of thing. Um, he's pretty good at it usually. I don't. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm a I'm a very topic driven person. Like if I had a thing to talk about, I could talk about that for just hours, even if I don't actually know anything about it. That used to be like a fantasy of mine um, when I was on certain music forums back in the day. I would see, I would read reviews and stuff. I used to, you know, read all the classics like Pitchfork and Stereo Gum and Consequence of Sound and all that kind of stuff. And I used to just wonder, like, what if these people never even actually listened to these albums? Like, what if they just looked up what other people had written and looked up what other people had thought about? like that artist's previous work and stuff like that, or similar sounding stuff from other artists, and they just kind of like wrote a review and gave it some arbitrary score and whatever, like we wouldn't even know. No, nobody, what if nobody else has ever actually listened to any music or watched any movies? You listener, you're the only person who has ever actually watched any of the stuff you've watched or listened to any of the stuff you listened to or read any of the stuff you've read. And everybody else is just kind of lying. Like, how would, how would, how would that feel? Like, would, what would that, what would that mean? Is that narcissistic to even think of that as like a possibility? 
I don't know. I swear I heard something. Maybe it was just door closing. Well, man, I I had a uh, I didn't realize. I don't know if this is the default on RLIM or something. I didn't realize that either I turned it off or it's the default. So either I suck or Sharifi sucks. But I uh, had upcoming singles turned off on my account, and it just like I was like, oh, that's why I haven't seen any of this stuff that like clearly I'm interested in or like clearly like it's not because I didn't give this artist the right rating or whatever. It's just because I, I did not have that option enabled and i just saw like white lung put out a single um recently and i've been like waiting on something from those guys for years uh because mishway is the shit but imagine like canadian bands i quit the show what no no, it's just one Canadian. <laughs> they're from Vancouver. So they're, they're, that's like Upper Seattle. They're fine. Do you think we should? Do you think we're at the point where we annex? Oh, you know what? You brought up. You brought up Seattle. I'm going to say there is a company that I looked into working for, and they are. The company name was called uh, Terra Power. Terra Power is this whole new company. That is trying to do a salt of reactor, like a like a liquid liquid sodium reactor, and they have a this this company Terra Power. There they have two locations, one of which is Everett, which is the smaller of yeah, the two locations. Up north. Yeah, up north. The second one, I shit you not, it is in northeast Bellevue. And I'm like, Gross. are you fucking kidding me? I'm never gonna want to work there, man. Like, like, just I don't want to deal with Seattle traffic. I don't want to deal with all their problems. I don't want to have the same weather that I do now, where it's like you have 60 days a year of sunlight. Like, fuck that. I mean, yeah. I will well, say, go on. Uh, I mean, good thing if you're out in Bellevue or Everett is you're not really dealing with Seattle traffic. Like Everett's up north, Bellevue's out east. I looked on the map. And where Terra Power is, most of their most of their um, uh, jobs are in Northeast Bellevue. Um, shoot, where uh, where North I don't know North of Way or 156th. That's where yeah. that's where their company is. So I don't even know. Like if I was to live, you know, around there. I don't know where I would live. I don't know if I would live on the south side or not. That looks really, really expensive because they got the curvy streets and shit. The stuff. Oh yeah, right. dude. Yeah. Out on the east side, that's that's a wealthier part of that area. Uh, Bellevue, Redmond, that area. Uh, yeah. That's and they got the giant ass lake in them. I mean, everything is just wrong. Uh, you, there's no, you know, yeah, it's not a Midwest town where everything is a grid. And I like it because it's a uniquely built city, but the traffic sucks balls and everything's there. It's mm-hmm. too expensive. And what am I going to live like on the, am I going to drive 50 minutes a day plus to go to work? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm spoiled. There's no way I can't afford to live in Bellevue. Fuck off. The one thing that they can do is, uh, is that the whole, this company, Terra Power, 
is uh, is Bill Gates's company. Apparently, he spent three quarters of a billion dollars to try and do this, you know, green energy in a good way that can actually produce energy. Because, spoiler alert, solar panels and wind farms are not alone ever going to fucking power this country, and not even close. There's just there's just not enough energy created. You have to have a re- you have to have reactors and stuff because they they generate a lot of power, but. I ain't gonna live in fucking Bellevue or Redmond because I don't. I'm broke. (laughs) 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 I am broke. I cannot do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure if you were working out there, like you'd be making a good chunk of change, man. Yeah. At the at uh huh. But that'll be five thousand dollars in rent a month, sir. Yeah, you'd end up like like Bellevue poor, which is like you know you're still doing pretty well, but. I don't want to be working for. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I've spent too long at school to do this. <laughs> I, it is not happening. So yeah. I'm going to move on to one one more quick topic, um, and then you should have time for one more thing after that. So, I saw an article a few days ago that uh, is about an American politician who has accomplished something so extraordinary yeah. that I would have never thought anybody would have been able to do it like it's just it's 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 fucking impressive to be honest okay Um, this is this is a senator okay this this still could be uh, good or bad still could be good or bad a a, a well-known senator who who was in the news a, a good bit around the beginning of this administration and um hasn't hasn't done too much too recently probably because uh you know just trying to stay out of the news and stuff but this is a uh, this is somebody who has basically united in the co- united the country in their dislike of this person. Okay. Uh, favorability among uh, Democrats is a fifty seven percent unfavorable. Okay. Among Republicans, fifty four percent unfavorable. Among Independents, fifty one percent unfavorable. I'm go- among, okay. So uh, don't, don't don't I'm gonna say it's either. Lauren Boebert, Majority Taylor Green, or Nancy Pelosi? I'm going to keep going here. So voters 18 to 49, uh, 55% unfavorable. Okay. Voters 50 plus, 54% unfavorable. That's really Men, even. Men, 53% unfavorable. Women, 55% unfavorable. This is way too even across the board. I can't get a Less than I can't four get years of college. Less than four years of college, 55% unfavorable college plus which i guess is they got their bachelors and maybe a little bit more 53% unfavorable white voters 56% unfavorable hispanic voters 54% unfavorable so basically nobody likes this person and not people of this person's party not people of this person's age group not people of this person's gender, not people of this person's race. Fucking nobody likes this person. Everybody in this country, even though it is pretty even split, like it's always a pretty even split how things go these days. And if you're looking at like actually favorable ratings, they're they're for the most part in the high 30s. So it's not actually that even. There's just like a few undecideds here and there. So, you know, for example, like, among Democrats, it's 57% unfavorable, 37% favorable. So, uh, you know, 
that's that's 20 points there and there's no category on this sheet that i'm looking at right now uh that is less than a, a 10 point difference so like everybody is actually pretty united in how much they dislike this person that's very i gotta say that this is indeed very impressive because every single person that comes to mind, I'm like, no, that they would be too split on this, you know, divider or this category or naming type. Every single one that you listed is in the mid, you know, 50s of disfavorable and generally on the high 30s. I, I'm having trouble. I really, I've got to say, it's probably like a, a my assumption is that it is a longtime politician, probably old, that is just kind of there and is not getting voted out because, you know, it's either probably they're probably a senator of a state that is fairly red or fairly blue, that they're just not going away. I actually think I know who it is. Well, who do you think it is? Is it Kamala Harris? No. Uh, you is it are Mitch McConnell? This person is is so just above and beyond our political climate because those are all good guesses for who this you know good uh good categorical guesses for who this might be but no this person is 46 years old uh they've only been a senator wow. since 2019 and they oh. are in a swing state is it Kirsten cinema it is. You got ah, it. I got it. I got it. Like, that bitch ain't that old. <laughs> yeah, because Dem Democrats don't like her because she's a technical Democrat. I don't know why Republicans don't like her. I don't know why they would ever not like her. She's I don't. A Democrat. That's that's a really silly reason. Just the D next to her name <laughs> versus her policy, but. I, I think she's bi too, so you know that's not going to play too well. Okay, I did not know that. I am surprised. That's really weird. I gotta say, you think she gets voted out like the next opportunity? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I really she's Arizona senator. She gets so. primary. I mean, she'll get primary. She'll get primaried by the Democrats. Like she is not. I mean. Like you said, she's not liked in any general. She's not got a base. She does not have a base. So I don't know what her goal is. She's, she doesn't have a base. I mean, at least Manchin has a base. You know, he's a longtime yeah. West Virginia senator and governor, and uh, he's a figurehead of the state. But, like, did cinema fall ass backwards into the Senate seat or something? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> So there are some people who kind of think that, like, she's kind of trying to be a, a John McCain, like, maverick type where uh, she's not just going to stick with the party because it's the party and blah, 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 and that stuff. Uh, and there are some people, my, my thought when uh, she was popping up in the news a lot more, maybe last year or the year before or something, was that she was trying to establish some kind of reputation for a presidential run and see how that might go. Uh, and she wanted to be like a very moderate kind of centrist kind of person who moderate Democrat. Yeah, we exactly. need more of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's what the voters have said they wanted. Right. Oh my God. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just completely backfired. And 
it, she's just at a point where literally nobody likes her. <laughs> and I just think that's that's the funniest thing because everybody likes to talk about how polarized we are nowadays and how we can't agree on anything. And there's all these differences between these identity groups and political groups. But this is just the one person that everybody can agree. Eh, kind of shit. Kind of shit. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I think she should. I think she's I think she's bogus. She doesn't have she doesn't have any stances. She's a typical, you know, a typical um, typical woman of the swamp, if you will. <laughs> she's she's constantly looking out for for America, American uh, like just establishment goals, you know, constantly. I mean, she she's not. Like uh, she's not a maverick in any sense, you know. It's it's very silly that I think you're right. I think she's trying to channel some of that Arizona moderate, like uh, like kind of the similar like the West Coast. I think I think Utah Republicans do not make up much of the Utah um, or, or much of the Republican Party as a whole. Like the Republican Party is very different from the Utah, and similar to the whole Liz Cheney stuff. I think I think she's pretty exemplified of the west coast republican party that's very different from most of the republican party everywhere else i think that once you kind of go west of denver i think a lot of things change i really do think it's a a fairly different country once you go west of denver you know once you go past that mountain range there's just a lot of things work a little bit differently and perhaps arizona's part of it granted even though they have a lot of transplants from Illinois being one. I know that. Yeah. Um, do you know Cinema was a... She started out in the Green Party? That's interesting. I never would have guessed it. I would not have guessed that either. She's, she used to be like a big progressive, apparently. What went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what, she go to the Grand Canyon and be like, yeah, this shit ain't that good. I'm going to just be a Democrat. <laughs> No, it's like literally right after she actually got into Congress. She was elected to the House before the Senate. Uh, so she's been in Congress since 2012. And like right after that, that's when she apparently got like a lot more moderate. But hmm. yeah, so, upset. you know, if there's if there's one person who can unite this country, it is uh, Kirsten Cinema. but it's not the kind of unity we want. <laughs> it's, it's the kind of unity where we're all like, this is dog shit. <laughs> yeah, this just sucks. I can I can totally see that man. She does not seem like uh, she does not seem like that she's gonna bring a positive to this country in any way. I think she's gone. I think you're right. She, swing state. I mean, she either gets primaried or she loses. But I think she gets primaried first. Like same thing. I mean, all these parties are 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 self swallowing. I mean, they're getting rid of Liz Cheney. They're trying to get rid. Of, like I, I occasionally listen to the fucking silly establishment radio, like Republican Fox News radio, just to see what they go on about. Just to see what like, because I said I messaged you this week, like uh, that Fox News gets a huge listenership, and maybe that's because it's like a, uh, maybe it's because it's um, you know, just the TV like cable TV and the demographics of those who do it. But radio, you'd think it'd even be like more dis spirit you know you have a lot more republican listeners so there those people are listening to these guys and i want to hear what they're saying well those people are number one brian kilmeade literal nobody number two 
Uh, <laughs> Am I supposed to know who that is? <laughs> the number two is the turning point guy. Who's Charlie Kirk? Oh, Charlie Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Number three is um, Sean Hannity, and the number four is Ben Shapiro. So those four people, they make up three hours. They make up four three-hour slots. So Brian oh, Kilmeade Jesus. is like a is like the beginner nobody who goes from nine to twelve. He's the opening man. <laughs> yeah, he's the opening man. And then Charlie Kirk to the Zoomers that listen to the radio, like all two of them, and they he goes on from twelve to three, and then Hannity's on from four to six. You know the the drive the drive home like radio slot where they're all listen, all the boomers are listening to Hannity, and then Ben Shapiro at night for the for the for the dank right you know or something like that <laughs> so yeah that's that's what's going on and all of them are talking they were talking about the whole um getting rid of the alaska girl uh because she sucked apparently because she was like a moderate republican they just want to get rid mm-hmm. of all moderates they don't like mitt romney but they can't do anything about mitt romney because he's too he's too in there he, he you're never going to get rid of mitt romney um who is Suzanne Collins? I can't remember what she's a. I don't know what she's state. a senator Was too. She the Alaska but... person? No, Maine. No, Maine. she's Maine. No, she's Maine. Who, I just who looked is it the up. Alaska person. Fuck. That's that's Murkowski. That's Lisa Murkowski. Murkowski. That's it. Yeah. So they they got rid of Lisa Murkowski because she was too moderate. So then, um, for Maine, they wanted to get rid of Susan Collins. And then they shifted to the whole Pennsylvania primary, and now they're shilling for Dr. Oz. It's just really odd, man. I don't get why they do. It's so I saw, stupid. I saw some headline uh, when I was just like scrolling through the news at work, and it was basically like a, it was like some conservative or Republican or whatever saying like, you know, we really don't like that we have to vote for Dr. Oz, but <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that's this whole thing is there just the entire structure is is against any good candidate like i'm sure that less than half of the republicans actually want to vote for dr oz because they agree with what he says like i don't know i think he's i think he's a pretty terrible candidate i don't know anything about the fetterman guy either like i know a little bit about him from what you said before but like that's just like a fail scenario. I wouldn't have even like, like the two candidates that were the Virginia governor, both of them suck major balls. They were so bad uh, last year that like, I didn't vote for either of them. Like these guys both are ass. They're both like, <laughs> they're both way, way, way too established. I mean, that's just like Virginia in general. Both like both of the candidates are guaranteed to be the most establishment people possible. And you're going to, feel disgusted by voting for either of them they're both i mean one was a half billionaire and the other one had a large amount of stock in the company that made the other person the the very wealthy like so it's just like wow yeah i'm not voting okay cool nice represented for sure Uh, so, so i can i can kind of feel their strife if uh if the fetterman guy is corrupt in any way which maybe he is maybe he's not but yeah, I haven't I haven't heard anything uh anything bad about him yet, but at the same time, like his only experience as far as I'm aware is just like the mayor of like a pretty small town. So who fucking knows? But the car heart I, I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> big heart. 
but yeah, I get what you're saying there. And um, it's, it's tough because I feel like that's like one thing. Like, I think even if conservatives don't like the Republican candidate, they're still going to vote for him because otherwise they're going to get like a, uh, uh, like a satanic pedophile. Can't Democrat have the socialist office. motherfucker in this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So they'll get that. But like, you know, if a lot of uh, liberals or like lefty people will kind of be a little bit more uh, hesitant about voting for a Democrat just because they're a Democrat or whatever. And I actually support that completely. Uh, anybody who has not read that, uh, stop me before I vote again. So that's a, a great little uh, collection of essays. It's an unfinished book, but it's it's got some good stuff in it about why you should like just not settle. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's 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 all just like a shit show. It's all pretty bad. It's bad everywhere. I've uh, got to say, in an area there, it's, that it's also bad everywhere. I've got a big problem. Got a big, big, big old problem. Got a problem with tech companies, my man. Tech companies. Is this, are we getting to the uh, the Ben Shapiro part of the show? No, no, <laughs> no. This is uh this is the topic I listed where I said, uh, detachment and the evolution of phones. So, big big story was that Apple at one point decided no more headphone jack. It's not necessary. We don't like it anymore for whatever reason. They said they, you know, optimization of the, the phone space, whatever. That's stupid. You're, you're dumb. Apple's stupid. Tim Apple, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> so they said that we're getting rid of it. So they got rid of it. So what did every other phone company do? Oh, we're going to also get rid of it. We're not going to be our own company. We're just going to follow Apple because that's smart. <laughs> So every single other phone company did that. They got rid of the phone jack. Now I myself had an had a one plus five in I got it in twenty eighteen. I wanna say like fall twenty eighteen, so about four years ago. And I liked the phone a lot. It was awesome. It was really smooth, ran really well, um, had a headphone jack, solid phone. Loved it. Camera may be a little bit poor, but honestly, for the time, like it was just fine. Like I didn't really care about the, the camera quality because I'm not doing any photography, like any high scale photography, I guess. Then, then some fucking bitch day in 2020, um, in autumn 2020, let's say October, I had water damage in that phone and it, and it died. I've still got it. At one point, I can send it to a to a lab out in California, and they may be able to recover the data. But it's like a really expensive cost. So I'm gonna wait until I get a job, and then I might do it because like it's a cost per gigabyte of data that they recover, which is a really way weird, weird way. It's like you know they charge business rates for this shit, and I'm like, yeah, I'm broke. I'm sorry, bud, but I can't. So wait, how, how much is it per gigabyte? I have no, I, I can't even remember, but remember, I remember when I, when I got the rate, I'm just like, wow, that's really expensive. So I just oh, like God. forgot, I just forgot the number, but, but I, I, you know, I would just get the camera stuff, like the stuff that was on my camera. That's all that mattered to me. So I just want to get mm -hmm. that at some point, you know, I had the, I had my stuff saved in my gallery for, for certain 
you know, folders. I'm like, yeah, I'll pick a couple folders and that'll be it. But in autumn 2020, I got a OnePlus 7T. This phone sucks. This phone's terrible. <laughs> still hate it. I've had it for two years. I still don't like it. It's a very, like, spec-wise, very good phone. OnePlus, Hong Kong company, probably a Chinese company. They're, I mean, they do pretty well, like, on specs and stuff. The camera, it's, like, okay still. Like, it's a it's a solid camera for what it is. Um, got a lot of storage. Didn't cost a whole lot of money. Typically, like, 500 600 bucks is, is is the most that I will spend on a phone, and even that's, like, pretty high. Um, I would not buy this phone again because it does not have a headphone jack. And I did not know at the time that it did not have a headphone jack. You would think that someone that was buying a new phone would check to see that it had a thing that you desperately wanted. But no, <laughs> I am stupid. And I just <laughs> bought it. And I assumed that it would have a headphone jack because that was my customer expectation. Like, you know, this is a this is a thing I have. This is a this is an expectation I have. Needs to have a headphone jack. I get it. It's like October 2020. Doesn't have one. I'm pissed. I'm furious. Not only does it not have a headphone jack, but the way that you navigate around the phone is like swiping on the side of the screen and stuff. Like the stuff that Samsung did in 2017 and 2018, like like the curve display. Yeah, that was. Oh, that's terrible. Like, it's terrible, but they decided that it was awesome, and they made it the only way. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, cool! Now I have to learn this whole stupid thing. So I did that. Now let's have a navigate my through my phone. I'm just used to it. I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it still. Uh, still don't have a headphone jack. My entire stupid detachment is that in that moment of learning that it didn't have a headphone jack I was pissed I was furious and I thought oh now I have to live now I have to live the life with no with no wired <laughs> headphones no wired headphones so I did that I did that for probably 23 months oh, only shit, I, dude, I bought no. on my phone I, I got a I have a it's called a high buy or a high B like a it's like a Flack, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a really beefed up MP, like Flack and MP3 player that I download stuff to occasionally and do it when I just need to listen to Wired, you know, on Wired stuff. But, but recently, my stupid ass, after 23 months, realized that there is an adapter. Mm-hmm. USB-C or US, whatever the phone is with aux cord. I did not know this. I spent Duh. 23 months. I spent 23 months without one. Just doing wired headphones uh, when it's on my phone. Whenever I have Spotify on my phone. Because I was in the... I was caught up in the like hysteria of... This is my life now. This is my stupid ass. <laughs> Apple ruined my life. I'm never getting back from this. It's over. It's fucking over. Like everything is finished. And then I, I, I don't know. I don't know where I realized. I don't know if it was like a friend or like I'd seen it online, but there is literally like a, a USB C to aux connection that I found out about. So I, I bought them. There's a pack of two. You can buy an Amazon for twelve dollars, mm-hmm. and uh, bought two of them. 
worked pretty well. Recently, been listening to them on my uh, my wired audio technicas that I've talked about before that I'm mm-hmm. that are around my ears right now. Listen to that. Listen to that album that I talked about today on the on those wired things with this adapter. Yo, dog, that album fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tim Apple. Very cool. Bro, I got a, I got my pair of Audio Technicas on right now. Can we, can we get an Audio Technica sponsorship? You think we can get one of those? Yo, I'm, I feel like you know, probably. I mean, podcasting, like, you gotta have a, you gotta have good headphones. Maybe we can, you know, maybe I can get a, maybe I can finally upgrade that mic, you know, and get an Audio Technica podcast mic. I still have the mic that I bought. Probably six years ago, for five, one, two, three, four, five singular dollars at the PC oh, store in Milwaukee, and this shit's terrible. This shit's terrible. I'm looking at it right now. It's like this shit's like this shit's from the 80s or the 70s. This is like a very very old microphone, like that was just a. I don't know. It's very, very old. It's very hardware. For, for five Black bucks, Black. though, just go go buy a guitar, and you can record some absolutely killer black metal shit on that, I bet. This shit is very high quality for five dollars, though. Like, I'm not I'm not so sure. I would love to... I have a... I have a pocket amp, like one of the things that you just stick in, and it yeah. plays... Uh, kind of plays a little bit louder and a little bit clearer than, like, a phone audio quality. But mm-hmm. I do have one of those, and I, I do want to get I want to get into bass at some point. Probably gonna get into bass once I get a job. Like I'm thinking that's what's gonna be a gonna be a hobby. I'm gonna get into bass. I'm gonna gonna, yeah. gonna drop some sick bass lines. It's gonna be nice. So you, uh, my other RYM friend that also plays bass, and me also playing bass, dude. We'll just start a band with three basses. I'm not sure that would work. <laughs> I don't know that it would. Someone's got no high end at all. <laughs> Someone's got to learn a rhythm guitar at least. At least, like maybe you could make it work. Then you could be really, really, really heavy on the bass. Someone's got to learn a rhythm guitar. It's just any sort of, you know, bass is on the super, super low end. But you just get one person. That could that could lead a rhythm, and maybe just someone drop some vocals in. That'd be fine. You don't even need a guitar, or you don't even you don't need a main guitar. You don't need drums. You could make it work. You could. I'm on your page now. I see what you're talking about. The singles, the upcomings. Now I see the white yeah. light date night tomorrow. Belinda says yeah. very online guy. There's a new Palm single, dude. I gotta listen to that one. I haven't gone to that yet. Oh shit, that came out today. All right, okay. Yeah, Palm's okay. Been dropping that heat, man. I, that that uh, this is another album I will not talk about again until it comes out, which will be, uh, again, Palm Nicks and Grazes, October fourteenth. Yeah. So about three weeks. Um, uh, that uh, that first single, Feathers, I still think is really great. Uh, has not grown off me at all, even after listening to it, like. 10 times one day uh second single parable liquors i was not big on it at first it's it's big amco vibes but um it grew on me definitely grew on me um so uh 
Yeah, this new one, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think this is a, uh, I think I said the last show, this is my biggest uh, contender for album of the year outside of that Angles album. So you'll read pretty soon. After the, I mean, yeah. if we find an album that that's releasing that's good this Friday, then we'll have that. Then we'll have always the week after on the seventh, and then we'll have the week after that we'll have the Palm, which we'll be eaten constant. It's like easy season, but like with good music. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. So I I'm gonna drop one quick thing, one quick All thing. Right. This is the last thing that I listed. And I said ad fatigue. I'm sick of ads. Google is Google makes so much fucking money on advertising that they have decided that their extensions like ad uBlock or AdBlock or uBlock Origin, all that shit, they're gonna fucking cancel it. They're literally just getting rid of all inline extensions, and the way they're doing it is that they're like upgrading the framework of their entire their entire browser, and it's called Manifest v2 versus and then manif they're upgrading it to manifest v3 so basically on january 1st they're going to basically upgrade the entire framework of google it's going to be like a typical like browser update and everything like all of your extensions that operate on the old framework are going to be like outdated, like no inline. Like I don't think stylus, like the thing that where you hover over images and like mm -hmm. on any site, like that's probably going to be broken. I have a I have a thing that identifies the font of a given website just because that's probably going to be broken. <laughs> I have Tamper Monkey that just has like you know custom inline scripts for certain sites that's going to be broken. And then uBlock Origin, the biggest like the biggest thing is ad blocking because. There's a big gap, like there's a pretty like generic uptrend, like a parabolic uptrend or a you know, a, oh it's exponential uptrend on ad revenue per year, but 2020 to 2021 was fucking way bigger than all the previous years. Okay, I fucking wonder why. Yeah, so. <laughs> So they have basically decided that they are going to get rid of all the ad blocking. So people are like, people have on the early side are deciding that they're going to swap browsers from Chrome to Firefox. They're going to say they, they just want me to use Firefox at this point. All right, yeah. fine. <laughs> That's what they're going to do. They're going to try. They're going to. There's a Firefox, like the main thing, and then there's like a Firefox open source. Um, Fan, I guess I don't know fan browser like I don't know like open source like a custom browser called Libra Wolf, which is a, apparently like very like a, just known to be very user friendly and not like a, driven by adware and driven by all the other crap. But it's like um, similar to how everything else is like Chromium fork, like Edge mm -hmm. is a Chromium fork. Google has basically realized that all of those Chromium forks. They have a gigantic amount of power over, and they're basically betting now that you're not going to swap to like a different browser because they have. I want to say they have about like of the market that's Chromium or like a Chromium fork. I want to say it's like ninety five percent. Like they just have a very big market share, which is scary. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. 
That's pretty rough. Um, is the is that Libra Wolf thing? Is that like the like the ice fox looking thing, or am I thinking something? Yeah. Else? Um, okay. It's kind of like an I. I mean, it's blue and it's got a wolf on it. So I'm. I think yeah. it may be like a more updated version of what. Because I want to say Ice Fox was like a what? Well, I'm gonna take a rough guess and say, 2017, 2018 tier like Firefox mirror something that didn't have all the bloatware and adware and spyware and blank wear, you know, all that stuff. It's more yeah, updated. There's like, a, uh, there's like a there's like a ice fox and a water fox and an ice cat. I think that's the only reason I didn't try and look more into Firefox, like different versions of it or whatever, or different versions of like different forks of Firefox or whatever. Because I'm like, there's just no creativity in these names. How the fuck am I supposed to know what the difference yeah. between ice fox and water fox is? Like, are you guys just trying to fuck with me at this point? Yeah, but, yeah. There's it's like the constant like forks. Like, oh, there's this one key difference that we just prefer because we're vain or something. But Libra Wolf is getting is getting thrown around as being like the modern best Firefox open source that isn't Chromium, that isn't like stemming from a Google, you know, parent, which is yeah. what people are really going to try and get away from. Yeah, just, you know. My other aspect of that topic was I've got ad fatigue. I've got ad fatigue so, so incredibly much that I wouldn't even call it fatigue anymore. And I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it anymore. I will what do, does that mean? Ad fatigue is like, I just cannot, I cannot stand to be advertised to anymore. Like everything, my biggest like thing lately is my phone in an in an, in a very similar vein like in the whole I hate my phone thing the biggest one of the biggest reasons I don't like my phone is that it doesn't have a built-in QR reader and that has become very very bad in the last 2 years because yeah. basically the entire time I didn't have this I had this phone can't read those stupid restaurant menus that they pass around <laughs> or that are like glued to tables. So yeah. I'm like, I literally look at the waitress. I'm like, can you give me a real menu? And they just give I me a paper nope. menu and all that. Well, they oh, they actually okay. do. No, they, they, they got good about it. But like, there's also stuff like parking, like certain parking areas. Like if you're in a, in a, in a medium sized city that, you know, if you park in a park in a certain parking area, they, they expect you to, to scan a QR code and then pay through some portal and my phone can't do that which gets really frustrating because it's really stupid this happened uh, actually yesterday i was out in uh, i was out in roanoke with a with a family member before they were getting on a plane and uh, they have a parking lot that's like you have to scan a QR code because the the meter like stand was broken which is very similar to the one in, that's been, that's in Milwaukee that you can just go and press in your license plate and whatnot and get a ticket and put it on your windshield. Yeah, that was broken. So you had to scan a QR code. And I'm like, nope, I'm just parking on the street. Because I also went around that parking lot and there were like three cars that had tickets on their on their windshield. So oh, on a Sunday, they're making their money. And I'm like, nope, I'm not parking in this lot. This is a trap. This is a trap. So I I just got out of there. And I, I for that reason, you know, got to scan QR codes. Yeah, I hate that's, it. That's, um, I so do you have like a 
QR code app right now, or is it like one of those ones where every time you use it or something, or every time you open it or after every, you know, few scans or something, it shows you an ad. I have, I have downloaded a certain app twice. Each time I've uninstalled it instantly before, because (laughs) before I could even get to the scanner part, it would show me an ad. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I can't handle it. I fucking hate it. I'm so sick of ads. All the freemium shit that should just be like, um, like part of your phone that you try to get an app for. It's all got ads. Like a like a ruler. Like a ruler has ads. Like a a ruler app, a calculator app (laughs) has ads. Like all of this stuff has ads. It's the only Mm -hmm. way that they could like pay for the servers to even operate the shit that should just come with your phone. So I've got I've got ad fatigue. I hate it. I hate Chrome. I'm probably I'm on Chrome right now because honestly, Chrome is a very like it's a good browser. I like Chrome. I have uh, I have something that's called Iridium, which is a which is just basically like an ungoogled Chromium, you know, fork that doesn't have any of the spyware. But like it just didn't it just doesn't get any of the updates automatically. It's like the general style is not as nice. You know, it's enough to make me just want to use Chrome instead. But like, once they update to this thing, I'm done. I'm pulling the plug. I can't even use yeah. Edge either. Like, I don't even mind the, the the modern Edge browser. I think it's fine. Like, but it's Chromium. That's the whole thing. It's it's just a Chromium fork. So once Google decides that they own this shit and everyone sucks their balls, then ooh, I'm out. See ya. Over to Firefox. Yeah. Over to Liberwolf. I uh. I get what you're saying there. And Google, they've, they've just been fucking up recently a lot. Uh, this, this is something they've loved to do for the past, like, three or four years or something. It's just say, hey, you know those features that you loved or those things you really liked about our products? Well, we're not doing it anymore. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, they just give so, you the middle finger. The, the phone, I think I've mentioned it a few times by now, but I'm never going to get tired of ranting about this one. Uh, the phone I use now is a Pixel 4a, which I've had it for about two years, I guess. I think it's about two years old, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. I have like zero need to like buy a new phone. It's still quick and fast and getting the latest Android updates. And uh, it's it's maybe a little small for my taste, but I got used to it and I can one hand it, which is always cool. But you know, I was kind of looking to update for something a little bit newer. And uh, the the Pixel 6a just came out this year. So I'm like, okay, it's been two years. Like I'm, I'm on, a, this, this phone's got to be on life support now because uh, these things are only built to last two years these days. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll probably, you know, check out the, the 6a, see, you know, what that's about. Maybe, maybe get that. And they took away like my two favorite things about the 4a, which is the headphone jack and the fingerprint scanner on the back. Uh, they just no headphone jack anymore. It's the same. Like you'd have to get like your fucking USB-C adapter to use, which means you can't charge your phone and have your wired headphones on at the same time, which is absolute garbage. Like it's, it's this, you know, whole modern pay more for less kind of thing. And the fingerprint scanner, they moved it from the back onto the touchscreen on the front. And it's just apparently not as quick. It's not as, it doesn't recognize your finger as well or your thumb as well. So it's, again, it's just a worse thing that you're supposed to pay more for. And I'm, I'm sick of it, dude. Like 
I've, you know, I've gone on some rants about phones before. I wish there was some kind of like good phone that just had like those basic features. Just give me even, you know, fine. I don't need the fingerprint scanner. I like it. It's cool. I don't need it. Just give me a headphone jack. Give me my fucking micro SD slot back and I'll buy your phone. I will buy it. That's it. That's all you need to do. I don't care what fucking garbage ass operating system it runs on because I'm not, I'm not using it to do fancy shit. I'm just going to like fucking go on YouTube and like check my email and shit and listen to music. That's it. I, I don't need a lot of good specs. I don't need bells and whistles and shit. Just give me the headphone jack. Give me the micro SD slot. I will give you hundreds of dollars. That's it. That's all it takes. Yeah, I completely agree. There's, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a certain like a class of phone called a mid range phone that people like uh, that's like the the smartphone that's just got very 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 basic features, and that's what got me into OnePlus in the first place. They were a it was a general smartphone that like um, had very very basic features. They kind of cut on the camera. That's what I alluded to earlier. The camera was just kind of like eh, like okay at best, and it was like four hundred ish dollars. But they even make ones that are like even more cut and even cheaper now a lot of them are chinese that you may not be able to buy because the u.s has decided that they are stealing your information and shit like that <laughs> which is whatever that's stupid but like they have um there's one that i know that's called the pico phone p-i-c-o and then phone mm-hmm. and i'm not sure who makes it i know that a lot of like uh indian company yeah poco oh this one i think is italian pico or poco Pico, P-I-C-O. Poco was made, made by Poco? Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's made by fucking Poco. But Pico Poco. That's the thing is that's Italian. I got it the Pico. I got it the Oh, I'm sorry. That's, I can't do that. Fitas.it. <laughs> but I don't, I'm not even sure like uh, on... I thought it was an Indian phone. That's the whole thing. I don't even know. But there's, there's a lot of mid-range phones out there that are not like on the main. Like it's just... It's got to run like some Google OS... Because it's cheap and easy to do, and I don't know, mm-hmm. there's stuff out there if you want to look for it. But I would definitely recommend going for that. Yeah, I mean the uh, that's you know kind of what I liked about the well, so the the whole idea of the Pixel, like when the Pixel started, like the original Pixel One and stuff, it was supposed to be kind of a mid-range thing. But then Google's like, wait a minute, people are selling phones out here for like six hundred dollars and seven hundred dollars. We can do that. Fuck it. So they started to, you know, raise the prices on the Pixel, but at the same time they introduced like the the A subvariant type. So like, uh, I want to say the 4A was the first A, and then there was a 5A. Now there's a 6A, and there's probably gonna be a 7A. But yeah, this was like 400 when I got it. Um, I think that's about how much the 6A goes for now. Is either 400 or 500. But I mean, it's it's nice. I like the experience, and I'm gonna tell you for a fact. Ever since the fucking uh, Galaxy S3 I had, like, three or four phones ago or whatever, two or yeah. three phones ago, I don't know. I have not been able to tell a serious difference in, like, my no. phone camera pictures. Yeah, no. It all looks the same. I don't – what's – people freak out about, like, camera quality in their phones and stuff. But really, you, you're telling me it really – like, you can tell? Like, if I showed you a random picture, you'd be like, ah, oh, dude, sorry, that's that, uh, that's that iPhone 12 mini. It's just not good enough anymore. No, it all looks the same. Yeah, it's all just, I mean, all of the photos that you take are, in my photo, my camera at least, which is a late 2020 phone, typically around 
3.5 to 6 megabytes general. I mean, I think maybe in the last seven years that they've been a l- like anything in the last seven years. Maybe iPhone phones have like iPhones have a, have a slightly better photo quality because they are just typically the industry standard. Like as far as cameras goes, they're typically really good. Do you good. know that? Is that is that just something somebody told you or you read somewhere? Or is that no, something I've you've actually some, experienced? I've seen some iPhone photos that look really, really good. Like Yeah, but even, would you know they were iPhone photos if no one told you they were iPhone photos? Well, I looked at it on someone's phone and I just knew it was an iPhone. I mean, this was like an iPhone... Uh, like an iPhone 10 or something. It was pretty like, good. That's, if you like look at anybody's picture, you'll you'll have like probably better than 50% odds or something if you assume it's an iPhone, if you guess. Like there's no, you know, they own so much of the market that you're probably going to be right if you just think it's an iPhone. Okay, that yeah, that's fair. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right on the whole fo- general photo quality and the size and the resolution and whatnot. I, um... Yeah, I don't know. I I think uh, I I could certainly think that someone else is because actually, now that you bring that up, my mom's got a certain phone that's like a let's say it's probably like a Pixel, and mine's a mine's a One Plus. That's the same photo quality. Like if you if you try to tell the difference between those two, yeah, right. You, I mean, you'll never get it. Like it's 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 so much the same. Most people take the same general phone like photo quality and all that. I, I could never tell the difference there. Yeah, maybe like you were saying earlier, if it's like somebody who's actually using it for some kind of professional circumstance or something, maybe, you know, you get that deep into it, there's features or uh, something has just like a higher quality zoom or something like that. But for just a regular person doing regular things, it's all going to look the same. It doesn't matter. Yeah. None of this matters. It's all just bullshit to try and sell you more bullshit when really, you know, we're paying like four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars for stuff that's, you know, maybe like a hundred dollars worth of hardware at most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. My sister, uh, she she got one of those um like those new uh Samsung Galaxy flip phones. I'm like, oh, bro, really? your screen's just getting cut in half. Why would you pay like thousand dollars for this? You get this yeah. big line across the middle of your screen. Who who said this was a good idea? It's nostalgia. It's just literal nostalgia. It's nostalgia and the same like, oh, so this is, oh god, it's just fucking terrible, man. It's like this whole old but new thing, like not even a retro futurist, like fucking future retroist or something. <laughs> I think it's I I real I I do think it's just nostalgia. People people miss the Motorola flip phones. The I don't even remember what they were called. They were the really popular like Motorola the flip were phones. Cool, dude. Yeah, the razors. That's what it was. The razors were cool because it was new. That was like a fresh thing at the time. Yeah, and they looked sleek as fuck. They were because sl- they, they were sleek as fuck. That's the whole thing. Yeah, they were really they were pretty thin. The texture of the outside, like the stainless steel. That was, you know, mm-hmm. painted whatever color you got. Like, that shit felt nice. The phone was nice. The phone, it was nice. It was a good phone. You know that fucking, uh, that American Psycho scene where he's showing, like, the, the good business card? <laughs> yeah. It's like that, but with the razor. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a phone. <laughs> that's it, man. 
They're probably comparing Nokia's and like uh, Blackberries, and then someone pulls out the rate, you know, Paul. Let me see Paul Allen's flip phone. <laughs> oh my gosh, he just like drops it. Is everything all right, babe? <laughs> it's like a, it's like a very like um, like a dark gray, dark silver, not not quite black, but very very dark silver uh razor flip phone. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably they would all probably they would all have the motorola phones but they would be the different colors like the the yeah. common ones that i mean there was a there was a pretty common red there was a pretty common blue and there was like a let's say like a lime or a kiwi green that was by and then you know girl every girl had the pink one and then there was like the the black one and the and the dark gray one the dark gray one that shit was nice yeah, I think uh, my one of my best friend's moms, I think she had the pink one and then he had the red one. And yeah, it was just it was just a really cool thing to look at. I I'm, I'm you say a dark red one? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a dark red one. Um I don't know, that was like third grade or something. So I don't know. <laughs> I miss those phones though. I think they actually released like a new like a like kind of like leaning into the nostalgia. I thought they released like a like a more modern fl- like same body but like more capability yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. Uh, it has like a screen one. on the front too. I don't know, dude. It's it's literally the same thing I was saying earlier about this whole like future retro thing where we're not even like looking back at the past and and trying to interpret that through the future we're looking at the future and saying actually let's just go back to the past it's depressing dude that that's all it is honestly this phone doesn't look nearly as good as i thought yeah this it's like a foldable screen stupid yeah no i would way rather have like the the real buttons and stuff and just give me like a motorola from back then this shit does not look good in any way no, I, I get what they're going for here, but it's it's. I think the worst thing about it is that it's too much of a square. You know, like those older razors, they they were thinner. They, they were like, you know, a lot more oblong and rectangular. This new razor, it's just like when you fold it, it just looks like a square. Kind of does. That's, that's it's a fat square, yeah. The old ones would yeah. fit into your small ass pockets. That's the thing. Here's a good photo of uh, of both of them folded up. And the other one is fat. It's really fat. Look at that front camera yeah. too. Like get out of get out of here with that, man. Give me the small thin razor. That's what we wanted. And that nice yeah. lip. That nice lip that fit, that when you fold it in it folds in so nicely. I love that. And that old one, it looks like just very appropriate for its time. Like it doesn't look like it's trying to reach back or reach forward into anything. Maybe it was reaching forward back then. I don't know. But it it just like looking at it now, it, it maybe it's just again like the the benefit of uh, hindsight or whatever. But it just looks like something that was like very two thousands. This new one, I don't I don't know what this Does is not- trying to be. Yeah, it does not have a place. It does not have a place in time. It's no. just a bastardization. Oh Christ! This picture you just sent. Yeah, the new one's way too fat. Who who, who thought that was a good idea? 
looks Holy terrible. Shit. It looks terrible. It's awful. <laughs> the old one still looks better. <laughs> yeah, no, that small little screen that would just tell you the time and nothing else. That's that's solid. Maybe that if you had a message, I don't think it showed you that even though. Like I thought it just told you the time. It had the small little shitty camera that you know captured like sixty four kilobyte photos. <laughs> <laughs> shit was terrible you never want to take a photo of that you know how much i miss like physical keyboards though i think they were underrated i think the i think the you know you had the slide keyboards that had all yeah you know you had those and then you had the ones that you had to press shit like you know you had to press the same button multiple times get to a certain letter like the p r s t or q r s t i don't remember which one it was that was a little bit before my time I don't think those were overrated or underrated. I think the, I think the slide, the full slide out, like where you'd swipe the screen up and then a keyboard would, would be under the screen, like a full keyboard. That shit was solid. You could like, you could like type away at that, man. Like those were awesome. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah give me that. That's, you could go, you could go crazy on that. And I swear send that out was some actually- mad text messages. That was actually like my first phone, I think. This one three out of five star, apparently. Uh Samsung like slide phone. Dude, that keyboard, I miss it so much, man. That was that was clutch as fuck. I love that keyboard. That's a solid keyboard. You just press the function button. I mean, it's like just it's 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 awesome. It's 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 incredibly awesome. It's not missing and anything. You get that feedback of like actually pressing a button, like that that little satisfying, like oh, just pop down, oh, just pop back up. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I think I think if we could if we could make a phone that was, I hate the swipe text. I mean, the swipe text, it just it's not. It's wrong. It's not as satisfying. Time. It's not as satisfying. It's fucking wrong every time. <laughs> no, I I I can game it pretty well. I could game it pretty well to get maybe like eighty percent accuracy, but. I, I just prefer the typing. It's just nice. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, good. okay. So maybe the swipe is right pretty often, but now I feel like autocorrect. It. I feel like it fucks me up way more than it used to. Maybe I've just gotten lazier, and so it's like overcompensating for that. But I swear I used to be a better texture. Like I didn't. I didn't used to have to delete so many words and and start over again. But it's you getting lazy. Yep. All right, let's call it there. I'm too lazy to keep going. <laughs> All right. This has been Weekly Drive by. We didn't even do a fucking intro. We, we both just missed the intro. Yeah, but this is the outro. I, I, well, no, we didn't do the intro because we got right into it. We just we just got right into it. Right into yeah. it. Yeah. Always. Right Please, bomb. I'm always sad. Listening out here. Please let this album be good. Please, just please.